Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 15 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration, and today it's all about the 16-bit console wars. I am Joe Murata, joined, of course, by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy. Howdy console there. time. Console time. And, and video games. I hope this is a consolation to oh, all of you out there. Yeah. Starting off your week. We hope you enjoy this episode. We're diving into the uh, the big two uh, of the video game wars of the 90s, and we'll get to that in just one second here. I'm excited about this one. This is the first, Quinn, truly video game related episode that we've centric, done. If you, centric, if you game centric. Very episode. centric, yeah. yes. We hope you enjoy this. If this happens to be your first time, we have 14 other episodes available in our archives. You can pick a topic and listen to it. Mm-hmm. We appreciate all the positive feedback from the Wonder Years episode from last wonderful. week. It was <laughs> wonderful. It yeah. was, Michael. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that, but as we always say, something completely different this week, and we're talking about video games. Before we get to that, I want to remind you to follow us on Twitter, if you have a Twitter, at AWM Podcast. You can just follow us there get updates on the show and some videos and things and you can also if you want to join in on the discussion with several hundred other pop culture minded retro fanatics yes you can go to you can go to our acid washed memories group on facebook it's free we will let you in and there is to the best of my knowledge quinn zero drama over there none of it we don't do that we don't do that we're just having fun and reminiscing and things so thank you so much for being with us here on acid wash memories Quinn, as anyone that grew up or was even on the periphery of growing up in the 90s could tell you. If you were a kid. If you were a kid, maybe a a young adult even. Yeah. If you were coming of age, so to speak, and you remember the 90s, when it came to the video games, there were two big players for the first half of the 90s especially. And we're talking about the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. And these two consoles waged the 16-bit war yes. in the video game battlefield, quite, Michael. Quite a war, a digital battlefield, if yes, you will. Yes, absolutely. Well, there was a lot of analog, too. but A lot of bits, also. Yeah, it's some bits, 16, 16 of them. Of them. <laughs> and I feel like it, it was like a milestone thing or something. In it felt so important, even though it's like absolutely. two plastic boxes competing <laughs> for people to buy them, right? But Essentially. Before a time where people had all the consoles, like that, right. that that was like a normal thing people did. It was like you either had this one or you had that one. Generally, and there was no like unless in you between. had a lot of money because this was kind of like the second major video game generation, right? Yes. So people before were only kind of accustomed to having maybe like before that an Atari or like a, a Nintendo, Nintendo, but it wasn't like you had both. Correct. You know, it, so it was so, rare. So people went into this, and this was the first time it felt like there was truly one-on-one competition. There wasn't, like, somebody just dominating, right? Correct. Hey, guy, you're the first serious gamer I've seen all morning. Check this out. Brand new 16-bit Super Nintendo with Super Mario World. Wow! What's this one? Oh, this is a Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega Genesis. Uh, as we've done in our Wars series here, you know, we've done things about burgers, and we've done things about Coca-Cola versus Pepsi. 
really, ultimately, it's going to come down to what you, the consumer, prefer. Right. You have the hard facts, and we're going to tell you some of the hard facts in terms of what sold more and what had better technical specs and all these things. Mm -hmm. But really, when it comes to the brand loyalty aspect, a lot of it comes down to who uh, falls into the marketing, who falls into the demographic. Right. Also, I think an age group has a lot to do with Yeah, the demo. You know, when, when you were around when each of them debuted. Absolutely. And I think we're going to be exploring that because they were used to their advantage, those those particular demographics in the marketing campaigns Correct. throughout these systems. So we're obviously looking for you to tell us, hey, did you like Super Nintendo more? Did you like Genesis more? Or were you indifferent? Yes. So some people were. Just to set our background here, I am going to remain as impartial as possible as I always try to do on these mm-hmm. things. I did have a Super Nintendo growing up, however. I did as well. I would later get a Genesis, but much after the war was settled. Right, right. For exploratory purposes, because I just like video games. For research, obviously. For research purposes. For your health. My brother, who I didn't live with, it's a long story. You don't need to hear my family history. But my older brother, uh, who was five and a half, almost six years older than me, he had uh, both a Super Nintendo and then a little bit later a Genesis. Wow. I played my fair share. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how he pulled that one off. But I played my fair share of Genesis, both when it was actually in console form and later on in my emulation days. Right. Emulation so, was when we, yeah. I think we all got to get our taste of both, both. and kind of come to our final decisions Correct. as consumers and yes. video gamers, if you will. And I'm here to tell you that uh, I think they're both great. I think they both have their merits. I think they both have excellent games, that some games are better on one console versus another, and some have unique games that are only on one. That's true. So I'm not, you know, I don't know if you know this, Quinn, but there are people out there that get very territorial mm-hmm. about their brand loyalty. I mean, we all got our and, favorites, right? And that's fine. I'm here to say I think they're both great. Whichever mm-hmm. one you like more, you like more. But Quinn, to even get, of course, to the 16-bit war, we have to roll it all the way back. <laughs> Quinn, what is a game? A game is a contest in which two sides compete. There's usually a set of rules to the game because what are you doing if there's no rules right right? like like polo is a game put a ball in a cup throw this in a hoop you know (laughs) like there's always like and how many times you can do and there's a score generally right but then some very smart guys they figured out you know we can take the games (laughs) and put them on the TV the TV. The TV, right? Yes. They figured it all out. All of a sudden, you know, in the se- in the 70s and maybe late 60s even, computers started coming around. Yep. And somebody figured out that if I have this dot, I can make another little dot come out of it, and I can shoot at another big dot, and then it blows up. And then you had Space War, the first, like, video game ever go. in, like, MIT or wherever the hell it was. A student by the name of Steve Russell started work on a computer program that was revolutionary for its time. What he ended up creating was a video game called Space War. Now, we hope you were able to follow those very highly technical terms, big Mm -hmm. dot, little dot. You know, it's it's hard, but we're here to walk you through it, folks. The first generation of video game consoles is generally agreed to be uh, launched in 1972, and they were still in circulation up to the early 80s, uh, more on 1983 and video games later. But to just briefly run down the first two generations, the Magnavox Odyssey series was actually pretty much considered to be the first home console of any kind. This is in a day of like really 
really all they had was arcades or you had to go to like i said some kind of college that had a computer <laughs> right, at it yeah. that the computer and the and the kind of computer that had a screen like even that was fucking rare right that right? was huge back then you, you know what i mean screen optional so max bear i think it was he 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 devised a way to put it in the home you know in a little like a circuit board in a box pretty much that hooked to a tv now you know what i think is interesting about the magnavox odyssey go ahead is that the graphics were so primitive because i mean this is really like we're trying to get first to market here. Like, let's just do something, I mean, right? We're talking like Sanford and Son is a new show. Right. And we're talking ultimately like all we have is just dots. Yeah, we literally. We only have dots. This is right? really rudimentary. So the thing came with, I think it was like eight or something programmable, programmed games into like the thing. And basically, like, there were things you put on top of the screen. Overlays. Like, overlays that if it's game seven, put this one on it. Those were the graphics, and the dots would play into the the overlays. Exactly. Right? So really, the dots were just the dots. Right. A lot of dots on this episode, mm-hmm. and we're going to connect them all for you. It's in only a black second. and white. We had that's white true. or black, and that's all you could write to the screen. <laughs> back for, in my pixel. day, like, yeah. you didn't even have color back yeah. in the seventies. Odyssey easily attaches to any brand TV, black and white or color, to create a closed circuit electronic playground. But Atari's Pong was a huge one in the first gen. That was 1975. Now, Pong is essentially tennis, table tennis, ping pong. Mm-hmm. Atari, inventors of them electronic games put the quarters in, just no Pong for home tables. And the Pong home consoles were a huge deal in the mid-70s. Yes, I mean, Pong in general was a huge, huge deal. I mean, the first one was so successful that the first time it broke was not because the video game broke. It was the coins got like stuck up the machine. Right. They came out to repair it and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> coins I, to patient. I, I've seen documentaries Sorry. on this and like the realization because they put it in like a bar somewhere and they didn't think. They didn't think it would catch on like They this. thought, you know, maybe a lot of people, maybe some people will play it. It'll take a while, but word of mouth. Right. right? But yep. then within like a week, like the machine was broken because there was too many coins. And that is p- one of the big reasons why Atari became such a huge player for the right. first time. 10 or so years of video games right. in general. So they, they went into the home. Yeah, and they went into the home. You had Pong home consoles, and Coleco had the Telstar uh, system from 1976 to 1978. You're watching the most exciting game you will ever see on your TV set. Telstar by Coleco. Other than that, though, the first generation of video game consoles outside of the hardcore enthusiasts, it's not widely uh, remember, there's not a lot of nostalgia for too, outside of Pong. Yeah, it's mostly a burgeoning arcade business and like yeah. experimenting and like try, like let's see what works. See right? what they, sticks. Yeah. They would just try anything back then. Exactly. You know? As we've talked they, about on the show. Yeah, they just didn't fucking know. They didn't know yet. Yeah. Uh, it's like the Windows 1.0, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, if you Something want to equate like it to yeah. software. Now, the second generation of video game consoles began, uh, again, agreed upon around 1976 with uh, several home consoles, such as the Fairchild Channel F, the Intellivision by Mattel, Mm -hmm. which was a a big player. Yeah, definitely. Discover Intellivision. It can change your family's life. This is kind of like the first console war, I want to say. Yeah, because you had Mattel's Intellivision, Magnavox Odyssey 2, which came out in 79, Intellivision was 80. You had... The Coleco Vision in 1982. Right. Another big one. Introducing Coleco Vision, the most advanced video game system you can buy. It plays just like the arcade game. You had the Vectrex in 82, but the one that came first. The big boy. Atari 2600 in 1977. 
Attention shoppers, the new Atari cartridge game is in. Excuse me. Uh-oh, George again. Atari's anti-battle. It comes with 27 games, but that's just for starters. I mean, this one was so successful. I mean, it's probably one of the longest lasting consoles just because it was just... It was like ubiquitous, like you like to oh, say, right? I mean, everyone yes. had one of these things, right? Everyone the had little, one. little, like, brown wooden yep. box with a board in it. and it, Cartridges. Cartridges, and it had little levers on it with different modes and, a you know, the joystick yep. and all that. And we look back on it now, and obviously, even when Quinn and I were kids, this was around, but not I had popular. one, so yeah, it was like a hand-me-down, right. so like an uncle gave me or something, Yeah, right? because it was of your uncle's generation, like, right. where people were caring about that. Was it the uncle I'm thinking of? Your mom's brother. No, the, oh, the other, a another, different one. A different uncle. Random uncle. Yeah. Anyway, uh, random uncles notwithstanding. The Atari 2600, I don't know if it is groundbreaking too big a word, Quinn, or is that about accurate? Earth shattering, probably. Yeah, okay. I mean, so this, this too is. Too small a word. I, I think that this piece of machinery here is probably where video game consoles as we know it come from. You know, a cartridge, you know, so Fair. tons of games. Fair. A joystick. All the basics, right? The basic graphical representations of what you're doing. Right. Actual games that represented things people could like understand on the screen. Not like, like there was still a lot of abstract stuff going on, but for the most part, like, you know, like Pitfall, a little guy and he jumps over a pit. (laughs) Yes, of course. Like uh, like Space Invaders. Space Invaders. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. There was all sorts of like revolutionary things. Adventure. Adventure basically zelda before zelda mm-hmm. i mean it really is like, like an over map and all I, that, yeah. I recently tried it they, they released an atari 50th anniversary collection they did with documentary footage that would accompany each game well that's cool and it was really super cool because they were explaining how they made adventure and it was crazy when you get to finally try it at the end of the documentary and you play it and you're like holy shit this is just zelda <laughs> it's not even like that far off, right? Right. Like, it, like again, it's just a dot, but the dot's doing all the things Link does. Sure, like, you know. Right. I got gotcha. you. So. Now, Atari did release in the second generation in 1982 the successor to the 2600, the 5200. Mm. And without spending a lot of time on that, can we just agree that it was not uh, nearly as successful? It, it, it's kind of a piece of crap. It was kind of a flop. Yeah. Yeah. This summer, the really hot video games come from Atari. We've got Centipede. Mid- Pac-Man, Vanguard, and Galaxian. But that wouldn't be the end of Atari, and we'll Mm -hmm. get more back to them later. However, something happened in 1983. Two big things in 1983 in video games. Actually, maybe even three. One of the things that happened is the dawning of the third generation, commonly known as the 8-bit era. Right. And the 8-bit era was kicked off with a company named Nintendo of Japan and their Famicom, short for its family computer. Now, what the hell is Nintendo? Here's a brief history for you, Mm -hmm. and one day we'll have a whole separate Nintendo-centric episode. The Nintendo episode, yeah. yeah. But this is just a rundown. So, Nintendo, the company, some people know this, actually began life in 1889. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Their history is like, it's insane to me that they're like from the 1800s. Yes. And this is an abridged version, but they were uh, known as Nintendo Karuta, and it was founded by Fusahiro Yamuchi. Mm -hmm. They were a playing card company. Yes. There was a Japanese playing card called Hanafuda. 
Yes. And basically, this was they their- had, like the picture of Napoleon on yeah, the famous. Yeah. Somebody recently. Who was contemporary. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> recently, like, freaking found one of those. Like, somebody's grandparent was, hey, my grandfather gave this to me. <laughs> Like I saw it on Twitter and, and like some somebody like posted on Twitter. They're like, "Holy, Holy shit. shit!" Like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Nintendo is a playing card manufacturer and distributor. And in 1929, Yamuchi retired, and his successor was Sekiro Kaneda. And he had a joint venture with another company, and it became Yamauchi Nintendo and Co. Okay? okay, stick with me. By 1947, he also founded a distribution company named Marufuku Co. Yes, okay, I'm, man. Not, I'm yeah. not cursing at you. This was renamed to Nintendo. Nintendo Karuda in 1950. In 1958, now we're post-war, a deal with Disney, the Disney. Yeah, the. You heard of Walt? Yeah, them. <laughs> Him. Remember them? Disney Plus fame. Yeah, remember? You yeah. ever heard of Disney Plus? You ever heard of Mickey Mouse? Yeah. That company. A deal was made with Nintendo and Disney to put their characters on their cards, and it was successful, and in 1962, Nintendo went public, and by 1963, they were known simply as Nintendo, and in fact, off the boon of all the success they started doing other things like marketing instant noodles and vacuums and weird products. The Japanese way, if you will. Just whatever I feel like you, you find sell. all these electronics companies, if you look at the history of a lot of them, they're all like involved in yeah. other fucking shit. All sorts of like, shit. Like all of them are. I mean, even like Yamaha still is like, hey, we make guitars and motorcycles. Re- for reasons. <laughs> right, like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, by 1966, the playing card industry uh, kind of stunk, to put it nicely. So Nintendo decided, well, why don't we just enter the toy industry like yes. Bandai and some of these other companies? In 1972, Nintendo manufactured a light gun accessory for the Magnavox Odyssey. Of course they did. Of course they did. So now they're into very, the video they're very, game. They're very like toy based in the 70s. They like are. every they have that like weird like gun that shoots a fist. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like all that bullshit. That's true. Yeah. I think that's a late 60s or 70s thing. And uh, Nintendo eventually made its own arcade game starting with a game in 1975 known as EVR Race and eventually hit it big as an arcade game manufacturer and developer with Donkey Kong yes, in 1981. Kong. Yes. It's Donkey Kong, the arcade sensation. So this was Nintendo's Huge. big hit. Absolutely. Right? I mean, Donkey Kong was a massive hit in the like that the golden period of arcades like yeah, when Atari age. was running wild. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, Nintendo was right there with them, right? As a manufacturer. Right. Yeah. yeah. Donkey Kong introduced us to a character known as Jumpman, who would of course later be known as Mario. It's me, Mario. Yes, Super Mario. You might have heard. They have a movie out. Super Mario. He has a new yes, movie. Yes, him. Uh, so that's Nintendo. But another console was released by a totally different company, a company named Sega, in Japan only in 1983. Released the SG 1000, which eventually had an upgrade and was known as the Mark II in 1984. Yes, the Mark. Mark. The Mark. These weird, like, Sega before Genesis stuff yes. is just, other than the Master the Master System's like their yes. true final form of their 8-bit consoles. It is. Yeah. And the Mark III uh, was released in 1985. It would be ported over to the United States as the Master System, but first, what the hell is Sega? I don't know! Well, Sega was founded in 1940 as Standard Games by a fellow named Irving Bromberg. Very standard. Very, extremely standard. Not yeah. just average games. Yes. Uh, his son, Marty. Remember Marty Bromberg? Yeah. Of course. Him. And uh, a friend of theirs named James Humpert. And this was founded, of course, in Honolulu, because that's what I expected. Right. And uh, it, by May of 1945... 
This is war, not even post-war, just war. The war. Uh, California Games became their name, and they dissolved Standard Games. In 1946, though, they dissolved Standard Games and started a company known as Service Games. And they were, at this time, an importer and a restorer of slot machines uh, at the time for the military and then uh, on a consumer level. So Sega's kind of like, we're talking about real roots of the arcade here. Very slot, rudimentary. The, the roots, like yeah, slot, slot machines, machines and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. And then they started providing them to Japan in 1953 and became known as Service Games of Japan. And they also had an outbranch known as Service Games of Panama. Of yeah, course they did. Panama. Panama. Now, they did uh, have some issues with tax evasion and bribery around the turn of the decade, 1959-1960. A weird time for that to happen. A very odd time during yeah. the end of the Eisenhower administration, yeah. I guess. And by May 31st, 1960... Service Games of Japan was dissolved. However, only days later, Coin, on June 3rd, there were two new companies, uh, Kakai Seizo, and I'm probably butchering these pronunciations. I'm sorry, <laughs> I am not Japanese. I, I don't know how to speak the language or pronounce it, which was doing business as Sega Incorporated. Sega. We know that. Service Games, the S E from Service. And that's also a very Japanese thing to like abbreviate yep. something and like make a word out of it. Yes. Like it's like, okay, it's Sega. It's just now. Sega. So they were the slot machine manufacturer, and there was another company uh, known as Goraku Busan, which was doing business as Utomatic, and that was the distributor of the said slot machines. These companies purchased service games of Japan's assets, and everything all merged together in 1964, and thus we had Sega Enterprises. And there became a shift from slot machines to coin-operated machines that you would find in the Ooh. arcade. Notably, Gulf and Western bought them in 1969. Nice. And they became an arcade game developer in the 70s. And their big killer app, you might have heard of it, developed uh, with Konami, Frogger, yes, in 1981. Frogger. Hey, Jerry, remember Frogger? I used to be so into this game. I mean, Sega... And that's just the beginning. I mean, Sega yes. from that point forward would be like an arcade like machine. Yeah. You know, we're talking about Hang On and Outrun. Outrun. Yeah. A like, lot of games. Lots of games like Wonder Boy. Like that was in yeah. the arcades Wonder too. Boy like, was good. Yeah. Like tons of just arcade games, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like classic, like real classic arcade games of the late 70s, yep. early 80s. Yep. I mean, they were there, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we mentioned that uh, the Famicom came out in 1983, an 8-bit home console, mm -hmm. and Sega's SG-1000 came out in 1983, but also in 1983 on our side of things here in the United States, there was, of course, the great video game Crash. And Thanks, Atari. Thank you, Atari and E.T. Yeah. Now, we did talk about this in some episode a few weeks, months yeah. back. I mean, we should retread because this is where it actually matters because it's what sets the stage for all this shit. Yes. So, I mean... There are various factors. It's not simply too many E.T. games that were made. E.T. is like the kind of like... It's the scapegoat, It's Quinn. the scapegoat because it's like, it's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, right? I think that's a Basically, better way to put like, it, Basically, yes. like, Atari had no quality controls. Anybody yes. can make a fucking Atari game, right? Yes, and they so did. So, like, like, Kellogg's uh, Golden Crisp Atari game. Like, it does... Porn! Does, yeah, like, porn, Hugh whatever. Hugh Hefner's Atari. Hugh Hefner's Playboy <laughs> Bunny's Playmates right. Atari game, right? Look at it, these dots. It doesn't matter. It's mm. like... Uh, um, like, <laughs> like Mr. Boat's Atari game. Yeah, Mr. Bean's Atari yeah, game. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You Anybody could do it. I, Joe and Quinn's Atari game. Can, can someone? But outside of Atari, it was overall a flooded market. Right. Between Coleco, like we talked about, and Mattel's and television so, and the Odyssey right. too. So it, when everybody can just make whatever they want, 
on like this home console, yes, you start to get weird shit, and then people are like, "Is this even good?" Right, like you know, like and there's no way for people to know, right? And then finally, like this That's... game came along that was promised to be good because Steven Spielberg is bringing his <laughs> ET to Atari yeah, this Christmas. Yeah, yeah, like it's, it's like it's like it's gonna be so fucking good. The video game that lets you help ET get home just in time for Christmas. And so kids get this shit on Christmas. And they're like, dad, <laughs> like people are like, what the fuck? Like you're I like falling it. in holes and you don't know what's going, like you fall in a hole and then you're stuck in it and you don't know what to do. And some people just like never played it again. Like yeah. it, it just was confusing and infamous it was programmed in like a week or something. It, it was a rush job. It was yeah. sloppy and yeah. rather infamously. And it was proven to be true. Uh, several years back, there was always this longstanding rumor that thousands of them were buried, you know, unsold, unopened cartridges. Ret- were some of them returned or too. returns yeah. were buried in a New Mexico landfill and yes it actually is true it's it's real they it found actually like is true thousands of them in, yes. in a landfill et is definitely here the legend was so awesome like it's kind of a shame to finally figure it out right like i think it was almost better to be the legend of what it was another thing that's interesting though too that uh contributed to the video game crash and what we mean by that is people stopped buying them at the level that they had been that's what we mean right. by crash because there was there was a confidence that was just gone by consumers. Yeah, they were consumer like, confidence. we don't know if this is good. Right. And we don't, we don't even know if this is a fad or something like nobody's going to care about this shit. So why should we keep buying the games? And stigmas sometimes have a tendency to spread like wildfire. And you they know? did. And they did in this case. But there was also the competition from home computers around the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. And that was another contributing factor because those had a better reputation. There was a, there was an idea that it's like, well, why do I even need Atari when, my home computer can play the games right. that my kid wants to play. Exactly. Right? You know, and I can work on it also. Yes. That, that's the other thing. It's right. multifaceted. The biggest dip for the industry was 84 and especially 1985, which is one of the reasons why both Nintendo and Sega decided to hold off on porting their systems the, over to the U.S. Yes, that's the interesting part is that the Famicom and the Mark III, they were rocking and rolling for like two years in, in Japan. Japan. There, yeah. there was like a ton of games. The U.S. release prompted a bunch of other big titles higher profile titles but you had all the nintendo like black box games that everyone knows you know ice hockey ice climber ice climber yeah baseball baseball like, like all, all those the like originals. basic ass shit the point is is that there was like the, the, a ton of these kind of basic games but they were well-made games that was the thing with the early nintendo games is there was a there was actual quality and that's what nintendo brought to the game is nintendo saw what happened to atari Yes. And if you ever noticed on a Nintendo game when you bought it, there was this Nintendo seal of quality, right? <laughs> which means they paid us money. <laughs> well, which means <laughs> so we that, have this. that some somebody that Nintendo had to review the game Correct. before it was they put did. on the fucking system. They did, right? and by having people pay to submit the game to them to put the label on, that at right. least incentivized the game to be good. Yeah, Nintendo was like also Nintendo owned like the cartridges, so you had to pay Nintendo to print the game. Correct. On top. Like the, they, their business model was brilliant. They controlled the whole flow. Yes. So that it, that they controlled what got put on the system. And, and to, to some would say, to a dictatorial extent, it got out of control later. But yes. at, in 1983, this was absolutely fucking needed, right? Because 100%. this is what stopped porn and fucking yeah. Billy's Just, t- uh, right. shootout that right. nobody's ever heard of and what the fuck is that? Like, right. right? Like. <laughs> exactly. And one of the things that Nintendo did in 1985, once the market started to at least level off and not mm-hmm. dip, is they uh, reintroduced the family computer, the Famicom, 
to the United States market in the fall of 85 as the Nintendo Entertainment System. And one of the things they did, Quinn, that I find genius from a marketing perspective is they completely changed the look of the system. Right. So there's reasons behind this, Yes, by there the way. are. So video games, still by 85, there was a stigma. It's like, that's a fad. Who fucking wants that shit, That's right? a toy. What do they do? The NES has that gray like every other fucking PC on the market yes. at the time look to it, right? Utilitarian look. Utilitarian, right? On top of it, it comes with this robot, Rob, who's kind of fucking useless, but the point was to say <laughs> it's like, your kids are going to get this big robot. They also they, get this, They yeah. get this robot thing with it, and it plugs into the TV yeah. and all this bullshit. Those two things together kind of like massage the conditions well, yeah. for this to be like people were willing to pay money for it. Will you be the first to get all this in one package? The Nintendo Entertainment System, where video technology is more than a game. And also the differentiation from a computer, because obviously family computer in Japan, this is an entertainment system. Right. This is for entertainment purposes. This isn't for work. This doesn't replace your computer. You need a computer and this. Hell, it comes with a, a robot toy in it. Right. You know what it's I mean? It's got also a gun. Yeah. <laughs> it, has a, it, has a, it has a gun. How are you going to use that for work? <laughs> I don't want to know, actually. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy that knows a guy that might be able to answer mm. that question. But anyway, the Nintendo Entertainment System, again, this will be a separate episode. So if we're glossing here, let us gloss. It uh, was released in the fall of 1985 in the United States. But there were some other things released in the United States right around the same time. In May of 86, when Michael Quinn was born. Oh, yeah, me. To celebrate that, Atari, who was still a player here, released the much more successful than its predecessor, 7800. Yes, this thing. The Atari 7800, the choice of the experts. This was their true 8-bit console. Right. It was not obviously on the level of the 26, Yeah, clearly. No. Nothing they ever did ever was. <laughs> but the 78 was released to compete with the Nintendo. But it was too late. It was too late, and it had the name Atari on it. Yes. In Nintendo, you know, Nintendo comes to market, right? We have to remember the launch lineup in America. You had Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers like was the Duck killer. Hunt Duck Hunt, and, and yeah. And stuff like that. Like, and it just kept snowballing. By 86, you had Zelda. You know, and Metroid, and like, and Metroid. Yeah. All of a sudden, Nintendo's got these quality games, yeah. and Atari's just got bullshit, and no, and they, nobody trusts them. The one point in the '78's favor is that it was uh, the first backward compatible system. It played 2,600 games, which the 52 didn't do. Which is it had that. You know, it's a notable feature. Give it that. And backwards compatibility is always a plus. Definitely. No, nobody's ever gonna poo-poo that. Right. Who's gonna complain about that? Right. And then Sega, as we mentioned, they had the Mark III mm-hmm. in 85 in Japan. They released it as the ma- kind of a revamped version as the Sega Master System. Because everyone doesn't know what happened to Mark II and one. Yeah, who's we, Mark who, anyway? Who is Mark? <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Mark? So they just say, like, it's something completely different. And you're the master of this y- yeah. system. This is for masters, okay? Yeah, the master system, I gotta say. September from a, 86. From a technical perspective. It's, it's superior to Nintendo. It was really good. It's a great console. Like, I always think the biggest example of this is stupid but you ever see like the ghostbusters nes versus the ghostbusters sure it's like dramatically better yeah no the master system was a great console right its problem is that it was released a year after nintendo sega challenges you with the ultimate video game the sega master system with twice as much memory as any other video game advanced video technology like scrolling backgrounds graphics in 64 colors it had it no chance. Matter. And Nintendo was like, okay, by the, you know, as we get further and further along in this 8-bit generation, right, Nintendo's just killing it. They got, like, 
Mega Man. It just kept getting better and better and better. They had right? tons of games. It just they just had tons of games. They had so many games, and not I'm not saying all of them were good because they mm-hmm. weren't, but they had so many good games. Right, Punch Out. Punch Out, yeah, in '87, '88, that was released. Yeah, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I mean, the list goes on and on with <sighs> Nintendo Tech games. Mobile. Tech Mobile. There was just so many like smash hits that just it just kind of like. It was unbeatable. Without Super Mario going, 2? Yeah, without going into like the det- the nitty gritties, but you know, like Mario 2, Mario 3. Yeah. You know. Another episode one Zelda day. 2, whatever. Zelda but, 2, I liked, even though everyone hates. It kind of stinks. It does. But anyway. I like it anyway. The point is. Castlevania. Is that Castlevania. And the, that whole series. Yeah. The point is, is Nintendo was just kind of like, their third party partners were good. Yeah. Their first party games were excellent. Yes. It was just like the perfect storm. Nobody nobody was touching them by that point. And no. it just I think like if I've seen the sales number, I think eighty seven is the year like it just took the fuck off. All of a sudden it was like they were unstoppable. So in nineteen eighty seven, funny you should mention that, uh Nintendo dominated with sixty five percent of the home console market. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Atari. From nothing. Right, from, from nothing. They ne- they didn't have a console right. before in, in America. Now, Atari, and that's every Atari console, the 26, the 52, and the 78, they had 24%, which is a lot of that is it's legacy. It's respectable, it's but it's respectable. legacy. It's legacy from the 26. Right. Sega, new to the U.S. market, had 8%. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, from people at the time have told me, and you know, just seeing the sales numbers and everything, it was like, the Master System was like some novelty that yeah. like, nobody had. Right. Like, right? It was no, a, not a lot of people had it. Yeah, that's all 8%. it was. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think it laid the groundwork for Sega to say, okay. We can do know, consoles. We can. We know how to do this now. Like, let's try it again. Right? right. To set the stage here, in the late 80s, as we roll towards the 90s, this is the period of time where so many homes had a Nintendo installed in them. So many kids played Nintendo. Mario was becoming, as I would say, ubiquitous, right? It was like on every TV in America, there was just like a Nintendo. Thing. Right. And there are news articles. Is your kid playing too much video games? I'm addicted to Nintendo. And like yep. all that stuff. <laughs> it wasn't even, is your kid playing too much video games? Is your kid playing too much Nintendo? Nintendo. Watching the kids play, seeing the intensity of their interest, the word obsession comes to mind. Um, I bet I'm much better than him at Zelda. How many hours you play a day? Around one or two. Two hours a night? Two when, you, when you should be doing your homework? Yeah. 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 This is, that's the other thing that happened in all of this, is it, they stopped calling them video games and they started calling it Nintendo. That's how big this was. This right? is like, yeah, remember when the, if you're a wrestling fan, you would know that in the mid to late 80s, the WWF became wrestling, right? right. So it's like, are you watching WWF? Nobody asked, are you watching wrestling or Same, pro wrestling? Right, right, <laughs> right. And I'm talking about mainstream, not new people that were on Usenet, okay? Right. I'm talking about the mainstream. Same thing with video games. Oh, what are you playing, Nintendo? Right. Even if it wasn't Nintendo, right. people were thought you were playing Nintendo. Nintendo became synonymous kids grew up two three-year-olds with nintendos maybe their older sibling had it or something right. they're like oh nintendo i know what that and is even the older sibling doesn't even know of any video games right. prior to no one cares nintendo. and they're you, like they got it, fucking mega man right. who gives a shit right like, right i'm sta- i'm playing ninja gaiden what right. do i yeah, care exactly so sega meanwhile gave their united states distribution to tonka the toy company in That's 1987 weird. yes yeah. i know uh and i want to mention to the master system's credit it was very successful in europe it was actually europe's best-selling console in 1990 yeah but europe's also a place where like zx spectrum is popular zed yes yeah, specifically not, zed not, not z yes and in brazil 
it achieved a uh, huge popularity uh, distributed by Tech Toy. And anyway, yeah, I'll tell you what. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. Brazil is like a huge it's, Sega market. It's its own it always, thing it over always there, man. was. There yep. was like Genesis games into the fucking. 2000s or some shit <laughs> like i remember finding like weird rogue like brazilian genesis right. roms like way too late and that were like new <laughs> that were new yeah and just to button up master system the final licensed united states master system game was in 1991 starring a a mascot that we will get to in a little bit there mm-hmm. was a master system version of this little blue guy yeah but we will get to that later meanwhile as we said the nintendo was dominant the nintendo entertainment system was dominating into the 90s however it was time for a challenge and of course when we think of the first big challenger to nintendo we obviously think nec with the pc engine the turbo graphics 16 that's correct in america turbo graphics 16 the higher energy video game system it's 16-bit but not really well the deal is it's got dual 16-bit gpus which is graphical processors, mm-hmm. but the actual CPU is 8-bit. Right, it's 8-bit, so it's just not as fast. Can't take in as much data right. as 16-bit if you know anything about computers. But yeah. it visually looks more impressive. It look, Yeah, that GPU definitely fucking helps, right? Absolutely. And it was released as PC Engine in October of 87 um, by NEC, and they teamed up with Hudson Soft, who was a mm-hmm. video game maker as well. Right. So in the United States, the... Uh, PC Engine was revamped as the Turbo Graphic Turbo Queen. Yes. Graphics 16 because of the bits. So turbo. And it was released, believe it or not, very proud of this, on my third birthday, ah. August 29th, 1988. And here's the deal with it. I had a friend who just had to be different, and he had one in 91, I remember playing, 92. No, if, if you're just coming from Nintendo, this thing looks like... It's fucking awesome. It looks like it's from fucking space. Yeah, like, no, you're like, it was what great. the fuck? The games are on these little fucking credit cards, cards like, like like the master system games were yeah but they made a big deal about it on like master system it was like the who he, cards he, who card yes. and like that oh my god like a big fuss about it yeah, right it's like <laughs> look at we're fitting all these 16 bits <laughs> right. all over the place right it's like look at this shit all right? these bits on this one little card yeah now their flagship uh you know nintendo had mario sega at this point had alex kid which we'll get into later but uh they had Bonk. Yes, this Bonk. Little caveman with but a big Bonk, head. From a gra- again, from a graphical perspective. Great games, by the way. Yeah, great fun games. Yeah. They really are. But they look these these look just blew Nintendo out of the water with this Holy shit. Holy shit, right? did yeah. they? Yes. So many colors and, and, and the levels were di- so different and yeah. dynamic and stuff. It just blew the NES out of the water from a graphical perspective. It's 10,000 years ago. You're a cave dude. You are carnivorous. You've got to bonk 28 stages of prehistoric bad guys to rescue your excellent looking princess. And they had Splatterhouse, which was a controversial but very fun slasher bloody, game. Yeah, bloody. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. I actually played it on the console it also in the has, early 90s. Like, later on when the CD comes along, it has like, the best Castlevania game, it Rondo does. of Blood. Like, PC Engine CD yeah. or TurboGrafx, yes. Yeah. The problem was it didn't have anything else. Really. I mean, it had games, but they didn't capture the imagination or the attention of the audience. Yeah, it felt like it failed at the beginning, which hindered its growth in, like, they made different attempts, like the Super Graphics, which only had six yeah. games. Yes, and, and, like, and they had the fucking CD, and it, you know, the CD. No one cared by that. To though. be quite honest with you, the CD had a lot of support. There no, was, it did. There was it a did. lot of it shit games. for it. it had games. But again, just nobody cared. Was buying it. Yeah, it was, was just too much going on. Well, it's because video games are Nintendo, and that's exactly. why, right? Or Sega, 
But, Maybe. Yeah, but not even just yet, right? Because yeah. the turbos come now. What's Sega's deal here? Well, here's the deal. Let, let, let me button up a PC Engine and Turbo Graphics here. It actually did outsell the Famicom in Japan only in 87. Yeah, but the, the Famicom was from 1983 Correct. in Nintendo. It was it had two extra years. Yep. People were like, this has been out forever over there. The PC Engine and the Turbo Graphics did almost nothing in the USA and Europe in terms of market saturation. Nothing. It didn't do anything, uh, and it was discontinued in 1994. Wow. I can't believe it went that long, yeah. but it did. They tried. They did try. That's the one thing I'll always give NEC credit with the Turbo Graphics is they tried. They did try. They didn't just like let it go after two years. 100%, and I will say the Bonk series is very good. Right. I'm serious. The Bonk And Hudson Soft went series. on to you know go over yeah. to Super Nintendo and Genesis and all that. They didn't like just stop making video games. And they also did the Adventure, uh, Adventure Island series, which I love. I mean, Hudson Soft had Bomberman. And they had Bomberman, That, that, that yeah. was like their big yeah. claim to fame. 100%. Meanwhile, Sega, we were talking about them, so they have the Master System, but they unveil in Japan the Mega Drive in October of 88. Now, mm -hmm. this Quinn is By the a way, what a fucking cool name. Great I always, name. I actually kind of like it better than Genesis. Do you? Yeah. Mega Drive. That just sounds dope. <laughs> this is a true 16-bit system. Right. This has a Motorola processor in it, the CPU. It was one of the fastest on the market at the time. Absolutely was. And it actually had... Very good, I don't even want to say good, exceptional graphics. Yes. It really They're did. Very, very good, actually, for it, the time. The thing that they were trying to do was say, this is an arcade machine. Like, you're going to get, like, an arcade experience at and home. And we're Sega. We know what the fuck we're talking about. We look made at, look, the arcade look games. Look at our arcade games. We make Afterburner and Outrun and right. shit, right? It's like, we know what we're talking about. Altered Beast, we're all just, those things. We're just putting that arcade machine in your house. Like, that's exactly. kind of what Sega's saying, which it isn't, but, like... It isn't, but in August of 89, it was released in the United States of America as the Sega Genesis, also a cool name. Yes. It is a Equally cool name. Equally a cool name. Cool name. And so it was, he brought forth Genesis, a system with twice the power, twice the intelligence, twice the challenge, twice the fun. And some of the launch titles uh, for Sega Genesis here in 1980 time would include... Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Thunderblade, Space Harrier 2, Tommy Lasorda Baseball, which, mm -hmm. hey, a sports game. Uh, Thunder Force is no no, no uh, joke. Good point. Yeah. Altered Beast, which was actually their first pack in, their first bundle. And that was the first, like, whoa. People, yeah. You know, looking back on that game, it looks like shit now, but people lost their damn minds about the With graphics. Altered Beast? Yeah. 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 In your house? Yeah. In your home? This is crazy, right? Exactly. And uh, their mascot at the time, Alex Kidd, and this was Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle was their game in 1989. Now, I also want to mention here, 1990 had a few games, and I'm not saying these are good or bad. I'm just mentioning them, okay? Okay. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Great game. I love Fantastic it. Fantastic I love it. I don't care. Did we mention that weird Ghostbusters game? There's a Ghostbusters game That's for Genesis. Fucking yeah. awesome. More sports with Pat Riley's basketball and a big one here, John Madden football right. in so, 1990. So Sega starts to establish itself a little bit with that John Madden title as like yes. sports. Sega does sports. Sega does sports. And, and they're better on Genesis, right? Because they're super NES. They can't do the, the, the right. sports realist, especially sports, a realistic thing, right? So right. like Sega's like, this is like a simulation and it's like real and shit, right? And that's 100% in Sega's credit there. All the sports games, even the ones that are really like, like Tech Mobile is known as like one of the best games, right. you know, on Nintendo. Even that, that's a rarity. Most of the sports games on Nintendo stunk. They stunk. Most yeah. of them did. Not and all. To Sega's credit, they identified, first of all, a thing that needs 
more horsepower, you know, like yes. a simulation kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And they said, we have the most powerful console on the market. They did. Let's get John Madden football, right? And they did. Let's get baseball. Let's get basketball. Right. Let's and, get all the sports and they, out there. And they made, they called it Sega Sports. They, they did. They, they, they had like a, like a branding own, to it. Yeah, and their everything. own branding. They also had something very interesting going on. They had attack ads on Nintendo. Mm. Uh, you might have heard of the famous saying, this was headed up by Michael Katz, who was their president, the former Atari president, mind you. Mm-hmm. Genesis does what Nintendon't. What Nintendon't. Now, Quinn, you and I have talked about Pepsi, the number two. Yes. We have talked about Burger King, mm-hmm. the number two. One of the things that you and I have noticed in these war series is that when you are the number two, you have much more freedom to say fuck you to the number one. Right. And so Sega, in very number two fashion, very, if you're wrestling, very WCW fashion. <laughs> very New York if Mets. If, if you're a, a Cola fan, very Pepsi Very fashion. Pepsi, very Burger King. When, when you have an advantage, they just rub it in their competitor's face. Yes. It's also, to me, always a sign that, you know, when the competitor is going to punch back, you're pretty fucked. Right. Well, yeah, that, there's you know, also that. Like, because you're bragging about something that, you know, you just have kind of a little, a couple of a month lead in over right. the competition. Right. Also, on the other hand, I'll say this about Sega's um, approach here is it was actually successful because they were able to convince enough people before Nintendo's retaliation, retaliation to get one of these things. And that's really that install base that they established from 89 to 90 kind of kept them as it, a true competitor. It they buoyed they, them. Buoyed. They were able to establish enough of a base, right. like enough millions of people, like we're talking millions of people had this thing, that they could say like, no, we can't, we're going to go toe-to-toe with Nintendo. No matter what they do. Yeah, because we, we have the, the users. Right. Right? And you know what's interesting? is you, you could look at this two ways. You can look at it as... It's not a fair fight. They're right. the 16-bit console. Of course they're better than this old 8-bit console that was developed in 83. And that is true. On the other hand, you can look at it as brilliant marketing. And that's what it was. They know that Nintendo... Of course they know it's unfair. But the slogan... That's a killer slogan, yeah, man. it is. No, it is. That's a killer slogan. And I think why it's also a unique time period is because both brands are sort of in their infancy... It's not a known commodity that can, Nintendo can... What if the NES is just a flash in the pan? What if it's a one-hit product? Right. What if they wipe out like Atari did? What if the games get worse? Right. You don't, there's no established history yet with Nintendo. They, there's no precedent. You know, they've only had good games since 1982 with Donkey Kong. Yeah, like pretty the, much. It's still 80s. a young market. They could just shit the bed. <laughs> right? Yes, And they Sega's, could. they're the new kid in town, and they're killing it. Right. So maybe you might say, well, maybe they have more of a chance of succeeding here, right? Good point. So I'm going to buy a Sega Genesis instead. So Nintendo comes out in 88 in Japan and in early 1990 in the United States with their most successful Nintendo game of all time yeah, in the face of all this. This was their retort, really. Super Mario Brothers 3. An absolute classic. He's back. All you had to do was ask Super Mario Brothers 3 from Nintendo. To me, personally, it shows the talent of Nintendo as a game company, not as a console Yeah, as a developer. As a developer. This thing pushed the NES 
Oh, to God. its limits. Parallax scrolling all of these all other the, things. We can like, get into all it. All the levels. All the levels. All the different transformations Mario could do. The sprites, the graphics. The way they were creative with the color limitations. Yep. The added chips to the cartridge to pull off with it, whatever the yeah. fuck they were doing. Yep. I mean, this thing was amazing. They got the success they deserved with it because this was... I mean, they returned to form. It wasn't fucking weird like Mario 2. Yeah. Like, it, it, it was just awesome. I like Mario it was too. Mario 3 in general was just awesome. It's one of the best games ever made. Ever to, made. Yeah. Even if you're a Genesis fan, you got to admit that. And so if I'm Sega and I see that, I got to think to myself, we might be in trouble. Right. Because that's the momentum they're going to have going into their next, to the, the Genesis competitor. Right? And how is Alex Kidd going to compete with that? Right, exactly. Well, they knew this because they installed a new CEO, Tom Kalinske, from Mattel. Mm -hmm. And in June of 1991, to get ahead of whatever Nintendo was plotting, now it had already been released in Japan, but in 1991, in anticipation of the U.S. release of the Nintendo successor, they cut the price of the Genesis from one ninety nine to one forty nine. Hmm. Not only that, Tom Kalinske decided we need a new mascot to compete with Mario. Is that Alex Kidd stuff ain't he stinks. Yeah, he's just not as good. And of course, we came up with the star of the final Master System game. By the way, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog runs, jumps, moves, and spins at supersonic speed. And now he's loose. This was huge. Uh, um, yeah. Let's just say that. Sonic is like a... If you've never played Sonic, you basically are a blue hedgehog and you run fast from one <laughs> side of the board to the next. But, but you're cool. But there's there's two things here that I think that why this game is so great. The speed, right? That That is its yes. main draw, right? Is it that is. This was really using the fact that the Genesis processor was like 7 megahertz or some 7. shit. 7.6. There was no machine on the market that went that fast. So it, no. could, it could literally do the scrolling like super quick. Yeah, right? that was its claim to fame. So it was really awesome. It was it was just a really great tech um, feat, tech demo, if you will. From a video game point of view, but yeah. But the level design is fantastic too. These yes. like vertical like levels where you, you know he can go up, down, up, and around. You spin. They were doing all this creative shit with like where you could like go with it. Sometimes it was just absolute chaos. Sometimes yes. you're just going. You're like, I don't even know where I'm going to fucking land. Sometimes sometimes they would switch to like precision jumping in the stages. Like it's a really good video game on top of on top of just looking awesome and having a cool mascot. That's the thing. It, the game was good and it, it installed Sonic as a cool face of the company. Yeah, and they did cool things like Sonic when he's standing there, his foot, he taps yeah, his foot. Tap his foot he's got he's got two. He's got tooed. Yeah, he's exactly. got tooed. And Mario's kind of very conventional. He has a mustache. Right? And I think that Sega was also smart with how they positioned Sonic because in the early '90s, this is where pop culture was going. Right, everything yeah, was man. was attitude and that kind of thing, like yeah, how, being a badass. Right, be Michelangelo, not Leonardo. Right, exactly. Or Raphael. Maybe. So Sonic was perfect. Perfect. Uh, it was it, it, right on the nose. Right on the money. Yep. And Sega had a hit, and they had something to say. Why are you going to get Nintendo? Don't you want to be around for Sonic 2? Yeah, this you know is what I mean? cool. Like, this is the coolest shit. So as Sega has its cool shit, as Sega is doing what Nintendo don't, we are yet to actually find out what Nintendo is releasing to the U.S. market in 1991. However, we will find that out on the other side of this break as we actually get in earnest here the 16-bit wars. Genesis exists. It has been around for two years but Nintendo has not forgotten they've been developing something. We're going to find out what that is when more Acid Wash Memories returns right after this. Me with your questions. You have some no lies. You always ask what is 
Anita Stokes, president of HAG. It's bad enough that Sega Genesis has the most 16-bit games, but this new Sonic the Hedgehog, oh, he really duffed my doilies. They say he's incredibly fast. Well, what's the hurry, mister? Huh? And about his attitude. Smarty pants! Why can't it be more like that nice one, Mario? Oh! Little brat! New Sonic the Hedgehog, only on the 16-bit Sega Genesis system. Introducing the next generation from Nintendo, New Super Mario World, created especially for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It's a bit more exciting, a bit more challenging, a bit more graphic, a bit more colorful, a bit more realistic, a bit more levels, a bit more secrets, a bit more enemies, a bit more friends, a bit more sound, a bit hotter, a bit cooler, a bit weird, a bit more revolutionary, a bit more Mario, a bit more of what you want. It's 16-bit, and it's yours only if you get New Super Nintendo. Now you're playing with power, superpower. Burger King asks, Let's go with Introducing three delicious international chicken sandwiches. Fixed, fresh, served hot. Have it your way! The Italian way. White meat chicken with mozzarella cheese covered in marinara sauce. The French way. Chicken with ham, Swiss cheese, and mayonnaise. The American way. Chicken, American cheese, lettuce, tomato, and mayonnaise. Let's go with An international chicken sandwich for a limited time at Burger King. Your way right away. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. And welcome back to acid-washed memories. This is episode number fifteen. We are doing the sixteen-bit wars, and Warren here with me is Michael Quinn. Hello, Michael. Howdy. This has been fun. Yes, it's this, been a war, really. These are serious subjects. This here. Is, when I was a kid, this was serious. Oh, it absolutely like, was. Oh, you like Genesis? <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah. Or you like Super Nintendo? That's for babies. Yeah, you exactly. Know? So we want to hear your stories, folks. Of course, remember to tweet at us at AWM Podcast on Twitter or join our group and join the discussion there because, it, like we said, we really mean it. It's friendly there. I'm not just saying yeah. that. It's actually nice there. Mm -hmm. No one's arguing and making fun of each other. So don't be afraid. Join our group. And thank you for being with us. But, Quinn, we got a lot of ground to cover here mm -hmm. on the battlefield. So where we left off, it's the summer of 1991. Tom Kalinske has come in as the new CEO. He has said that Sonic is our guy, right? Yes. He's got his own game fuck it yeah and it's gonna be it's gonna kick whatever nintendo's doing it's gonna kick their ass he's dope <laughs> sonic the hedgehog is dope is, is that what the kids say that's what they said that's their parlance he's if you fat. <laughs> with a ph uh, that's, right? that's my 90s yeah very, 90s term yeah. is he all that in a bag of chips or he, is that later he, he's definitely all that in a bag of chips actually what it's not of, even it's not even questionable what kind of chips ruffles <laughs> you didn't hesitate on that nintendo would be lays What's wrong yeah, with Lay's? Because Lay's is more mainstream. Ruffles is like, oh, look, we put ridges on the shit. A little like, indie? Yeah. All right. They're very Genesis. Very Genesis. Ruffles are Genesis. Yeah. Ruffles does what Nintendo don't. Yeah. Anyway, so Nintendo, meanwhile, over in Japan, they first revealed their plan publicly to their NES successor in 1988. So they're already working on this, whether they knew of the Mega Drive or not. I don't know. They were already saying, well, and, we got to follow this up. Right. And I, and I got to say, they in a weird way, because of Sega making its move, they kind of had some time to figure out, okay, what is working over there in 16-bit right, land? Yeah. We can make adjustments here, right? Exactly. Uh, and they revealed more info publicly about a year later in July of 89, including the comment that there would be a game known as Super Mario Brothers 4. Now, you have to remember... Mario 3 had already been released in Japan in 88. Right. So this is That's a, why we got to see it in The Wizard in 89. <laughs> With Fred Savage, that's right. Yeah. Speaking of the Wonder Years. Super Mario Brothers! 
Super Mario Brothers 4 sounds amazing on paper. I mean, 3 was amazing. It was like right. one of the best games ever made. How how could 4 be bad? Right. right? And on a new console? Yeah, new, more power? More 16 power? 16 bits? Yes. Look at all those bits. That's double the bits. We Quinn. got double the bits right. for Mario. <laughs> Extra Mario bits. Yeah. What we always wanted. So finally, in November of 1990, the Super Famicom is released in Japan. Yeah, it's super. The su- I've always liked this name because it just, it, it cribs off the concept that this is like the the souped up version yeah of the system that you know and love right it's not just the regular version quinn it's right. super it's super now to be fair to the super famicom it did not have as fast of a processor as a uh, the genesis it was uh, about half the speed 3.8 mm-hmm. or 3.58 excuse me megahertz processor but to be fair you know like the motorola thing that was being used i mean that was overkill even at the time that thing is like the thing was more powerful than anything on the market most conventional processors of the time did not go as fast as a motorola yeah that's a good point that that is just abnormal but it did have double the ram that Mm -hmm. the genesis did genesis at 64 kilobit this was 128 more colors the the colors was actually to me was like a big difference maker between the two right right? it was like you could tell yes that like super nintendo was more vibrant in color the Genesis had 512 total and 64 simultaneous on screen. Mm-hmm. The Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, had 32,768 yeah, like total. Yeah. In comparison, it was really different. And 258 uh, simultaneous. But not only that, on screen sprites for the Mega Drive, 80. On screen sprites for the Super Famicom, 128. Not only that, maximum sprite size for the Mega Drive, 32 by 32. For the Super Famicom, it was double, 64 by 64. Boring! So those are some tech specs, and some people don't care about that, and but there's I also There's also a big one. What is it, Michael? The big, um, the hardware feature, the modes. Mode 7. Specifically Mode 7. Specifically uh, was the answer to Genesis Blast Processing, and that mm-hmm. is what they... They harped on their blast processing with the Sonic games, right? I mean, they got an advantage in processor speed. They did. You might as well use it, right? And if you look at the tech specs, that's their only advantage, and they right. just zoomed in on it, which is what a smart marketing person does. Right. Don't but get me that wrong. That number bigger than that number. That's all that they had, though, right? on a tech level. But this Mode 7 mode, right? This is like a hardware feature, and what it was was it could rotate the sprites and do kind of like a faux 3D effect, Pseudo right? Pseudo 3D. Yeah, and, and this was put on display prominently in one of the launch games being F-Zero. Yes. Right. F-Zero was one of the launch games in 1990, obviously, in Japan and 1991 Mm -hmm. in the United States. We'll talk about the launch games in one second. It's a great point. I just want to mention when it was released in August of 91 uh, as the Super Nintendo, the launch price was $199, which is why Tom Kalinske had lowered the Genesis to $149 only a couple of months earlier. And that's brilliant, too. They undercut them. Undercut them. And I feel like there was, for Nintendo, that's rough because there's nothing they can do about that. They don't have two years built in of sales Correct. to justify lowering it $50, right? And they're still supporting the NES at this time. Right. Whereas Master I mean, System is not. they could eat not. the cost, but I mean, they're also fucking Nintendo. Right. Like, do they need to? <laughs> no. Like, you know what I'm saying? And they didn't. So the launch titles was a small list, but a well-known list, I would think. A great if you're launch fan. lineup. 
So Pilot Wings. Another Mode 7 beauty mode seven right there. Um, Pilot Wings is a great game, by the way. I just, I think it's overlooked. A flying game, A flying obviously. game, and it kind of like turns into a weird like military thing yeah. at the end. It's fucking awesome. F-Zero, Quinn alluded to, that's a really fast, cool-looking racing game for F-Zero, believe it or not, is actually one of my favorite Super Nintendo games to I this know. day. I you love it. Love it. It's a game that I will just play for no fucking reason on an emulator yeah. when I'm bored. It's a great game. <laughs> Gradius 3 was uh, another one. Another fantastic one, although yeah. Gradius... You know what's funny about Gradius what? is that the, the fa- <laughs> Super Nintendo comes out and immediately this game is like too many fucking too much shit on the screen True. and it like slows down. It it's slows like, down. Great idea, Konami. Yeah. Like just let, let's make the console look like shit immediately. Although Konami always gets a pass on my book. Yeah. I love Konami. I mean, Gradius, getting Gradius 3 in the home, I think that was the draw because that was a 1989 like full fat arcade, arcade game. game. Like it was like a huge deal. It's a deal. huge deal to have yeah. this in your in your home. And that's kind of their answer to Altered Beast, I think. Right. They're way. saying, look, we can put a, a crazy arcade game in our Correct. in our system too. Correct. Uh SimCity. The Nintendo SimCity is great. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's fun, right? It's totally different. Like yes, it's so weird and yeah. like it's cute and it's fun. It's fun. And of course it's killer app Super Mario World, which is Super also a pack-in. Mario World. A bit more revolutionary, a bit more Mario, a bit more of what you want. It's 16-bit, and it's yours only if you get new Super Nintendo. Now you're playing with power, superpower. Now this, to me, is one of the holy trinity of the 16-bit era. This is like... This is a huge deal, man. I mean, this game is great. It's more Mario different powers, yep. different area. Yep. But on top of it, it adds the like puzzle aspect where you got to like leave the stages in a certain way yes. and like you can open up extra levels and things like that. It, it was expand just, upon three. It was just very creative and innovative yep. at the time. And because it came packed in, I mean, everyone played this thing. Everyone played it. it it's was, a great game. It's, it's a classic. It's absolutely a classic. You know what? Why don't we run down some other games from 91 okay. here? Super Nintendo came out with Final Fantasy IV, which in it was Final Fantasy II at the time yes, I know. because of the whole fucking naming thing. Time, but um, Final Fantasy II is great. I've beaten that game. I loved it. Yeah, I, 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 I it was fantastic. I'm a Final Fantasy fan, admittedly. I know you are. Um, but Final Fantasy II really like a huge jump. Yes, and it played great. It looked great. It had great music. It used that Super Nintendo sound chip that was also well, kind of a we we haven't touched on too much, but one of the things about the Super Nintendo audio versus the Genesis, and I'm not saying one is better. I mean, technically, the Super Nintendo is better, but I'm saying people might prefer mm-hmm. one to the other. Super Nintendo had near CD quality audio. It was like sample based. Yes. You could put in like short samples in succession. It wasn't quite CD, it but wasn't. it was close. And it was close. It was close, yeah. Whereas Genesis was basically doing chiptune, but better than Nintendo could. It was just a, you know, it was a Yamaha synthesizer. That is all preference to a lot of people. Oh, 100%. It was definitely a strength for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, and they have some great soundtracks. Sega, though, in 1991, released... Their home version of a tremendous racing game. I love this game. Mm-hmm. Outrun. Awesome racing game. Outrun, one of my favorite racing games awesome ever. Awesome game. And it was amazing at the time. Again, it's in the home. 
Yeah. Like it, it's a, a home classic version. arcade game. Love it. In the home. And I think there was a Master System, but it looked crappy compared to there on, was. The, on the Genesis. And I think PC Engine got their or TurboGrafx yeah. got their hands. I call it that because when I played the emulator all the time, it was always PC Engine emulator. You right, know what right. I mean? But yeah, yeah. it's TurboGrafx in the US. Uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts was another big one for Nintendo in Great 1991. Game. Yep. Great game. And graphically, very. Yes. What well, a that's bit, the thing. What a jump. I mean, it looked Huge like the arcade. Jump. It looked like the arcade. It looked like the fucking arcade. Again, Nintendo's showing, like, no, we're going to do this, too. We got Gradius right. and Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Right. Like, like this off. shit is great. Right. Look, it just looks like you don't even have to go put the coins in right. anymore. You just get this. <laughs> uh, but Sega had another great racing game, one of my sentimental favorites, so I had to include oh, it. Oh, yeah. Road Rash. Road Rash. The another motorcycle classic. racing this game. This is kind of like a newish franchise at the time. It was. You it was know? the first one. And it's just, people loved it. It's just a, it's a 16-bit classic, right? It's a motor, if you've never played it's a motorcycle racing game, but you can also punch the other drivers. Right, and it's like a combat style, right? Yeah, and it's supposed to be illegal, which is why the cops chase you. Right, which is very Genesis. I love it, man. It's the ethos of Genesis, right? I, that, I'd say that it is rebellious, the ethos. <laughs> yes. you know? uh, Now, in 1992, before we get to the games, I just want to mention a couple of things, Quinn. Nintendo gave in and they lowered their price to 149 to match the Genesis. Crazy that that quick. They were Only just a they, year in. And that shows you how fierce the competition was. Correct. Right? So guess what Sega did? They went to 129. Fucking insane. <laughs> See, this is the best form of competition. It is, like, though. It's like Sega responding, and you're like, 129, that's like, that's like insane. Like, if you really think about it, for like a brand new video game system. It's only like $40 more than some Nintendo games would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Later, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, in 1992, there were some games that we are not. I want to be very clear about this. We are not running through every game ever released on either console, so if we miss something, it's just because of time constraints and yeah. not because we don't like the game. If your favorite gets missed, we're sorry. We're really sorry. Sorry. Super Nintendo released in 1992. Another one of the My big favorite. three. My favorite. Speaking of favorite Personal games. favorite. Legend of Zelda 3, A Link to the Past. Oh, my. It, it Michael? It established <laughs> the Zelda formula that would be taken through Ocarina and all the other Zeldas up until Breath of the Wild, the newest one. It's a classic that, you know, the classic, it like, is. it's it's got the, the light world and the dark world, yep. which, again, the trope of Zelda that would be used forever and ever. You know, you go through dungeons. You, I liked it as a you kid. You figure out the puzzles, and it, it was just great. And graphically, it just, what a jump, again, for Zelda in From general. Zelda 1? Yeah, what Good a jump. Lord. It goes back to the Zelda 1 format, not the side-scrolling no side Zelda 2. Yep. The classic third one that always goes back to the, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's the game that's already a legend. The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, only on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. What a heavy hitter for Nintendo there. Chef's to, Kiss, to, man. To, to, for 92 for them. Absolutely. Huge, huge game. So Sega, obviously, on their side of the coin, they said, you know what? We've got something up our sleeve. Mm -hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Great game. Featuring Tails. Featuring Tails. Tails, Tails enters the building here. M Miles. Miles, <laughs> Tails, Prowers, or yes. whatever his name is. Um <laughs> No, when you buy the Sega Genesis that comes with Sonic 1, you'll get Sonic 2 absolutely free. Sonic 2 handles stubborn stains, embarrassing bald spots, no problem. It even slices and dices, makes thousands of julienne fries. But wait, you can play it too. There's like a tag team mode where you can yes. kind of you, the split God, screen. You know, oh. you can get the emeralds. There's those like faux 3D stages. Yeah, like man. Sega starts saying, hey, you know, they got that mode so we could do some 3D we'll do some shit. 3D. I mean, when that got shown off, I mean, that looked really impressive at yes. the time. Se uh, Sonic 2, I loved. Yeah. Loved Sonic, Sonic 2. 2 was 
fantastic. It fantastic also added game. the spin dash yeah. for Sonic. Yeah. And just uh, great tracks music-wise for Sega. I'll say this is like consistently one of the trends we're seeing here is Sonic. Sonic. Sonic in the Genesis era really showed the fuck up. Like Absolutely. Sonic, all the Sonic games were great. Absolutely. Yeah. However, Nintendo had another heavy hitter in 1992. It was the first uh, mainstream I think it actually was the first overall. A home console version of a huge arcade smash known as Street Fighter 2. A phenomenon, if you will. Yeah. Super Nintendo with Street Fighter 2 is unbeatable. Street Fighter 2 revolutionized I mean, the fighting game industry. It, it's like all fighting games are based off Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Like, the, it's the one, right? Every one. fighting game before Street Fighter, even Street Fighter 1 sucks butt it's compared to Street Fighter 2. <laughs> it's not good. Street Fighter 2 is great, and there, of course, would be all the successive versions yep. of Street Fighter 2. You know, Turbo's the one that was one of my favorites in Super Turbo on Super yeah. Nintendo. But, I mean, these... How could you go wrong with Street Fighter 2? And having the first version... Yeah, Capcom had exclusivity with uh, Nintendo at the time. The thing to me that Super Nintendo always had, the, the edge on Street Fighter, is the controller was kind of perfect for it. Well, yeah, it had six buttons. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. So the controllers between these two systems. So Super Nintendo's control was a, a four face buttons, you mm -hmm. know, A, B, X, and Y. Two shoulder buttons, L and R. Why that was thought to be even the X and Y part. They were thinking in the early days of three dimensions. That's yeah. like what they what was going on in their brains. Was why they picked what they picked. X and Y axis, right? And the and the left and right also yeah. was you know they they figured oh maybe you'd have to turn a camera or something. Right. So this is like the early days of thinking about that stuff because yes. they knew they had this mode seven, right? Yes. So like that's why they built the controller. And can we say that the Super Nintendo controller? I feel like most modern controllers are basically that controller. I would say PlayStation took cues from that. With Absolutely. the shoulder buttons on the four face buttons, and even even you know the Xbox one, yep, even the current Nintendo yeah, one, they're they're agree. all for the Switch. They're all just I would agree a variation like things piled on to the the Super Nintendo controller. Kind of figured out the format. I think so, and I think Sega botched it with their first control with just three face buttons A, now, B, and C. Now to Sega's credit, at the time, if you think about it, right, if you're Sega, okay, I know where the you're NES going. has Go two buttons. Yep. What if we had a third button? Right, it's like fair enough. So to them in '89, that seems insanely awesome. Good right? point, but they they wouldn't have had the foresight to see Street Fighter because it wasn't out yet in '88. Right. Street Fighter really always felt to me it like necessitated the need for six because you had this smash hit game. Yes. that's very obviously a six button game. So Sega's six button control, I do want to say, is a lot smaller and more comfortable than mm -hmm. their standard. And Sega's six button is an excellent controller. It's a great controller. Yeah, but the problem was it didn't come bog standard with the system. Correct. And so it's an added expense, yeah, right? It's exactly. like, okay, now I got to get a controller to play Street Fighter. <laughs> right. And I could just, on Super, it just, I get the game and it or plays. Right, just like, play it. Yeah. Uh, but Sega had, in 1992, one of my personal favorite games. Uh, definitely Probably one of the best games on the system. Definitely my favorite beat-em-up, except the arcade version of Final Fight. Right. Is Streets of Rage 2. What can you say? Top an to bottom, Absolute Quinn. fucking classic. I mean... The thing about Streets of Rage 2 to me is that how sneakily it was like the best beat em up, right? Yes, it's because it is the answer to Final Fight. Let's it be is clear. the answer to Final Fight, but Final Fight got all the fanfare because it was at the launch of Super Nintendo. It's and Capcom. It's Capcom, and it was it was considered a feat to bring the game home. Correct. I mean, they they kind of rushed it to Super Nintendo. They That's did. why there's only like one player and stuff like that. In the first one, they yeah. just they they were like, we got to get this the fuck on the the Super, right? The Final Fight guy, or yeah, you'd be him exactly. But these, these were these. <laughs> were consequences of because they just needed to get this 1989 arcade game into a 1990 console. Correct. Right? <laughs> like, but Streets of Rage, the first Streets of Rage is whatever. It's not bad. Right. But Streets of Rage 2, 
I mean, they just turn it up to 11. Fucking A, man. They get, they get first of all, the soundtrack in that. <laughs> yeah, the guy who made that, it just, what the fuck? Like, it's one of the best soundtracks. Like, first of all, it's on Genesis, has right. the inferior sound, but the yes. soundtrack just totally works with it. Love it. Right? Plus, you got, like, all the, the characters on top of it. You know, they have the usual, like, punch, punch, and you can jump kick, and you got the one button that does a special move, just like Final Fight, where you have the one, if you hold yeah. the two, it does. But then there's also, like, combination, where you can hit, like, forward, forward, punch, and you can do an uppercut mm-hmm. with Axel and stuff. Like, all oh, this that shit. Axel, yeah. Like, you could just do all this cool shit. It was one of those games, too, that was just highly replayable. You mm-hmm. just remember the stages, the you turn the difficulty up, and you just keep trying and trying. It's just a great game. Tremendous game. Super Nintendo... Mario wasn't fucking around either because Mario Paint was a, a huge one, Quinn. This, you know, looking back, people might laugh at this, right? It's like, what, Paint for fucking Windows right. is on Super Nintendo? But it was great, th- man. This Loved it. You have to remember that, you know, when you were a kid and computers were new, what was the first thing you played with on your parents' Paint. Computer? Paint. You're yeah. always fucking around Paint. It's like Nintendo just saw that and they said, bingo. Yeah. It's like, what if we marry, like, Marioize this? Like, yeah. put Nintendo shit all over the place. Like, you had all these you know, stamps and all this shit. Animation. Animation, music. Music, or the fly swatting game. The fly swat. Like, they put everything in this, and it was like a playground for kids. I like, loved it. It, it was oh such God, a good I idea. And, like, to me, Mario Paint exemplifies Nintendo's, like, creativity. Yes. They can, they can put their spin on anything, and it's totally new and different. And it worked, man. Yeah. Mario and a mouse. That's right. what it was. I mean, that's and the It came with a mouse, that's too. The pitch, and, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people thought they were going to make more mouse games, but they ended up only making like one or two. Handful, yeah. And, and the third party seemed to not support it for whatever right. reason. But hey, man, it, I thought that was totally Great a unique, game. cool thing on Super Nintendo. Love Mario Paint. <laughs> I just wanted to mention the uh, Sports Talk Baseball was released in Genesis 92. They had a Sports Talk series, and it had commentary, and that was kind of a groundbreaking gotcha. thing. Yeah. So it was a cool deal. Uh, that but- goes plays right into Sega's branding of sports. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Sega was very good at the sports games. Right. They were killing it with the sports. They really were. Yeah. Uh, better they than, were appealing to teenagers with that, that's I think. The thing. Is that, that's what was so smart about it. And, and that's what kept Sega in the game. Well, and all the sports, Quinn, in the 90s were hot. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yep, you had Michael Jordan. Yeah, you had Wayne Gretzky, you know, Joe Montana, and, and yeah, and baseball, the, the Dallas Cowboys of the time, and uh, <laughs> yeah, like, the, you just, yes. there were so many sports things. Sports things were hot. Super Mario Kart though was also a sleeper hit in 1992. Yeah, believe it or not, I saw a documentary on this recently, and I did not realize how many copies of Mario Kart actually sold. Like it was, God, it was huge. I mean, Quinn. I, I gaming like, history. All my friends, yeah, gaming history. But great, all my friends had it. I had it. But I mean, I didn't just. It came out of, like, nowhere. It snuck like, up on people, it's, right? It just, all of a sudden, there's, like, a game, and there's the Mario characters, and you race, and it just seems so, like, such a basic idea right. on, its, on its face, but it was fun as hell. Like, it was, there, all the courses were fun, and it had the battle mode. Yeah, and the music was good. The music was good. What's so crazy to think is there was no Mario Kart game before this, nope. and after it, it became one of Nintendo's main flagship yeah i mean to this day starting with 64 they always have a mario kart for whatever system they have out and something they've launched with mario kart for unsuccessive systems that's that's good that's how popular mario kart is it's a great great idea yeah and if you haven't seen the gaming historians documentary on it i highly recommend Yeah, i think it's just because too it's just so easy to play and like even older people can 
play. They Anyone can pick can. it up. They you know hit the gas, brake. You know that's it. Essentially, like, you that's just, one of those. You fucking drive the guy. Like yeah. you know, like it's it's easy. You drive the and, guy, and, it, and it, it's approachable because it's Mario, right? You, you got Mario on it, so there's no, nothing offensive in it or right. anything. It's approachable. Yeah. Good point. Uh, speaking of approachable and inoffensive, Echo the Dolphin for Genesis. Echo the Dolphin, big is, game. Yeah, Echo the Dolphin actually is kind of like. I feel like it's an, a pretty artsy game for right? the time, right? Pretty it's like, good game. It's kind of like, it's just interesting, yeah. right? You kind of, you're the dolphin and you got to kind of figure out where to go. And, yeah. But I mean, it just had a, it's a, good. It has a vibe. It has a certain vibe, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like a chilled a, out kind of like, Right, yeah. I like that game. But it, it, a cool, interesting game for for Sega there. 100%. Uh, in 1992, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were still very popular. They yeah. had arcade games. They had Nintendo the, games. The movies. The movies. So let's get them to the 16-bit era. So Super Nintendo. Nintendo comes out with one of my all-time one favorite the, games. One of the best beat-em-ups, like, rivaling yeah. Streets of Rage yeah. 2. Yeah. Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time. Let's kick shout. Turtles in Time is basically the arcade game Turtles 4 just brought yep. home. I think what's stunning about it is the accuracy. It might be better than the you arcade so? version. I mean, in some ways, because some people actually have music preferences. They like the Super versus the arcade, True. or some people like the arcade better than... And and yes, the arcade's graphically superior, but it's it pretty is. damn close. It's real close. They throw the items at the uh, foot soldiers at the camera. That's yeah. Mode 7, I believe. That's right? using Mode 7, yeah. yeah. And in the arcade, I'm sure it used some custom shit on a Konami yeah. board. But it, Konami, they were, yeah. the fact that they were able to accomplish the same effect at home using the features that Nintendo had the foresight to put into the console. Yeah. I love it because there's it's it feels endless. All the different stages, all the different mm-hmm. enemies, all, all the, the different, different bosses. The time periods. The time periods, like prehistoric turtle saurus yeah. and all that. And it even had the little audio bursts in there. Yeah. Like so it's like, oh, it is like the arcade. Bury my shell, it wounded me yeah. and all that Big stuff. Apple. Yeah. It's three AM. Yeah, I know. It just, it just sounds Alley Cat Blues. It's the only one that's inaudible is three AM. Big Apple, three AM. Yeah. I love the game. Now yeah. Genesis to its credit, <laughs> at least to its credit. They tried. <laughs> they tried with the uh, Hyperstone heist. Now, I feel like Konami gave uh, them the shaft on this. Like, well, this, this, this gave was up themselves the shaft with yeah, their hardware. This was up to Konami to figure out, right? I mean, this is a third-party game, right? They it's, didn't, yeah. Hyperstone heist, well, okay, I'll say this about it. It looks it's good. It's not bad. It looks good. It looks good. It looks, it's comparable to Turtles in Time. It doesn't have the music. It doesn't. It doesn't have the same. The fact that they went for like a completely different game when basically everyone just wanted to play the arcade game at home yeah. was a little weird. Well, because the hyperstone is it shrink things? That's what it is, right? I don't even remember what the story I is. I just remember is. the stages are just similar-ish, but with like a different premise. There's some different character, like Tatsu, is in this one for some weird reason. Yeah, it's it's, it's odd. It's a little bit weird, but it's not bad. It's not bad. It plays identical to except Turtles for the in time, except for the throwing the guy at the screen. Right, it's not in there. So in this case nintendo did what genesis can't right that's not as catchy though anyway that's well, now nintendo's <laughs> ahead in the hardware department there you no go lo- no longer sega's ahead ace is the place stop speaking of 1993 before we get there uh genesis in the 16-bit market had 55 percent of it it's crazy they were ahead they of were super ahead. nintendo i remember this in the first couple years they i mean it ahead. looked like genesis was gonna hold on absolutely you know like it really really did and in 1993, there were some great games released for both systems. We're going to run them down real quick. Boy, oh boy, just can we, with that 55 number, look at the game output, Joe. God, like, it's look, insane it, it, this it's year. Like, they are just throwing the heaviest of punches at each other, right? 93 might be the peak of the war. Maybe. 94, 92, it's debatable. 94, 93, might be. 94. Yeah, yeah, 94 is a good year, too. Also but, a good yeah. year. 
So Nintendo, and th- this is not specifically in order, but we're just giving you the names. So Super Nintendo comes out with fucking Star Fox. This thing, I couldn't even believe it was real. This isn't like, even just Mode 7, Quinn. This is Super FX. Yeah, this is... Su- so I saw this in a magazine, and I was like, what? I'd heard of 3D games, right? And then Nintendo just says, hey, we got this game with a fox and a spaceship, and, you're, <laughs> and it's in 3D. That's what it and was. And I was like, mom? Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? So I go get this thing, and I plug it in. And, you know, it starts up, Air Force One, and you go through the thing. It's all 3D. All 3D. And you go out and you're driving the ship in 3D. Now, I don't know anything about fucking frame rates in 1993. Of course. The game runs at, like, garbage, like it's all slow and shit. But what the fuck do I know, right? You don't know this in 93. Right? I'm like, this is insane. And I played the shit out of Star Wars. I must have beaten it a million times. Like, because it was one of those games that only had, like, a couple of levels. Kind of zoom through it. But, man, to have that in your home... Oh my god, it was crazy. I was like, I remember thinking because the war was heated at the time, like, how is Genesis even going to beat this? Like, right. this is this is insane. And they really didn't have a game like Star Fox. To I be don't fair. think they could really they answer really to it. No, but they did have some good games. Well, one of them was the X Men game, the first. Yeah, X-Men and X Men's an interesting one because I remember the way it starts. It starts like it has like a prologue or some yeah. shit. It's a very interesting game. So X Men was pretty good. Good stuff. Super Nintendo finally got Final Fight Two out in '93. Now this, I like it. It's and not I, Streets of Rage though, man. It's still not Streets of Rage. It's not. Right? And I yeah. love Capcom and I love their beat 'em. I really do. But I, it's kind of like Capcom kind of fell behind here. Like a they, little the Streets bit. of Rage by Sega of all, of all people. Yeah, they kind of beat them. Their like, own like thing. Yeah. Nothing to do with Capcom. Right. Genesis released Jurassic Park. That was a it's another big classic. Game. Good license to get ninety three. The year when it Jurassic, came out. yeah, when it yeah. came out, and I mean, it was a huge hit. Huge hit, and it, and it looked cool. I remember that. I remember it was in the game room at my camp, and people were always playing it. Your camp stories. Yeah. Uh, now, Street Fighter Two Turbo came out on Super Nintendo in ninety three, and I want to make mention. That at the same time, Street Fighter II Special Champion Edition. So finally Capcom ports it to <laughs> Sega Genesis. Yes. Not only are you going to get a sneak preview, but you'll be getting strategies, tips, and techniques on some of the coolest new moves in the Street Fighter II Special Champion Edition for the Sega Genesis. <laughs> Street Fighter II Turbo and Street Fighter II Special Champion are ostensibly the same game. Mm-hmm. One is modeled after Champion and one is modeled after Turbo. Uh, listen, the Super Nintendo one is better. Again, the, again, the controller. Now, now to be fair, I mean, I think by '93 they had the. This is the why special, they released yeah. it. Yeah. So the controller comes out, but again, I mean, the problem is that every Super Nintendo owner just has the fucking controller already. Yeah. Like so, it's just, there's nothing Sega can do about that. It's not yeah. really their fault again because it's just when they released it Correct. and what seemed good at the time. There's no way to predict the future. Let's be fair. Very fair, Quinn. Yeah. I will say that uh, I've played both extensively. I think that I actually really prefer the Super Nintendo one. Yeah. I've played them both. My brother had the console. I played both in emulation. Super Nintendo is better, in my opinion. Uh, Super Mario All-Stars came out in the fall of 93, and this yes. was huge. This is a basically a reskin Loved this game. of the first three, one, two, and three, and also the Japanese Super Mario 2. We finally got Lost Levels. Lost right? Levels. This revamped the music and the graphics for the three classic you games know, we knew. You know, they like to make re- remake games all the time these days, but this, this is, the, is, this is the OG remake, right? Huge seller. Yeah. I had dreams as an eight-year-old about finally this coming out so I could buy it. I was I when I saw Ugh. the commercials, I was the same way. I could not wait to get this. And I, I got it. I yeah. loved it. It was so good. And it had save states. Yeah, you could save the game. It and was just like, great. I mean, it was just it did added all the things that world added, like saving and stuff yes. to the old games. Absolutely. And it was just amazing. 
In Super Mario All-Stars, four complete Mario games, including the never-seen Lost Levels. You can't get more Mario than this. And Sonic Spinball was also released. This was a fun game. Huge seller. Super fun game. Huge seller yeah, in 93. It, it put Sonic on pinball, basically, Fuck and it. that's what we get, and it was just so cool. Uh, Secret of Mana was released. Great game. I personally, as like an RPG person, like like a classic, and it needed to happen, like adding action to the RPG or whatever. Yes. It's very like exploitable, and like you can, like, there's like things <laughs> where you can like like just hit the boss once, run away, hit him again, and it's like the boss is like stuck in a stunned state. Like it, you know, it, it's aged badly, I think, and they eventually made a remake of it and stuff. But it, again, at the time, it was huge. Yes, it was. It was huge because huge it was game. like. You like Final Fantasy, but you also like action. Action. Right? Good what if action. we combine the two together? Great game. There you go. NFL Football 94 was a huge seller for Genesis in 93. Sega Sports, baby. Yep, Sega Sports. The Aladdin games, Disney's this Aladdin. Is, this is one of the weirdest cases, yes. right? Like, Both so, consoles. So Disney says, Disney and Capcom, of all people, tag team up and they make Aladdin, a movie that came out in 1993, right? Yeah. Super popular, Great right? movie. And both these kid. games come out, and you would think on its face, because even the covers are the same. Yep. Like, you would think on its face, oh, it's just like the Sega version and the yeah. Super... But they're totally, totally different. different video games. And this is a case where I think the Genesis version is infinitely superior. Here's the thing is, I, gr- I grew up with the Super version. Well, I, I played the Genesis version, but you know what I think that the Super one has that's a little different? Is that it's more platforming based because you're jumping off yes. people's heads and stuff. It's more of a platform, and you're also way more like your mobility is better because you can pop off everyone's head like you're flying all over the fucking screen, and like that's the one thing I like about it. But there's more sword action in the Genesis, right? Queen. So the sword on the other sword. hand, the sword's awesome. I know. Right? Who doesn't like the fucking sword? Who doesn't want the sword? So I mean, it really is kind of like it's almost like a gameplay preference. It's not even like a yeah, that's like, true. You know what I'm saying? It's like what what do you like to do? What do you like yeah. to do? Stab people or jump on people? Yeah, you could also like climb on the edges too. In, True. In the super, which was cool. Uh, we ha- we would be remiss if we didn't mention at the very end of '93 a huge one for uh, Super Massive. Nintendo. Mega Man X. Mega Man X. One of the best Mega Man games. Yeah. Ever. I always thought it was funny that it was called X, but like it's they were they, they were only at six on seven. NES. Seven, right? Came out on Super Nintendo, Seven right? came on Super, Super, but X comes out, and like you're like, what the fuck? Ten. It's not 10, Quinn. So X comes out, and it is just like, what if we upgraded absolutely everything. fucking <laughs> everything in Mega Man, right? right? It's what it is. Like, whereas 7 was like, what if we just made it like the next version of an NES game? Yes. X was like, you can super dash, and you can charge up. Like, you could charge up in the other ones, but like you, you can upgrade your gear, like right. on like on Mega Man, it's yeah. awesome. Great like, game, great music, All-timer. great stages, great enemies. Like they nailed it on that one. And it had its own sequels, X two yeah. and X three, X two and X three, which are also great. Also game. very good. Now in nineteen ninety three, this is probably the biggest point of contention in the war, and a very emblematic, I think, uh, happening for mm-hmm. the war. September 1393, of course, as we all know if we grew up, was known as Mortal Monday. Mortal Monday. Because the hit Midway arcade game, Mortal Kombat. Taking the arcades yep. by storm. So this, if and there will be a, an episode one day, but you know, Mortal Kombat was the violent little brother answer to Street Fighter 2. Yes. It was. I mean, that was the intention. Mm-hmm. It was the snide, you know, like sarcastic developer's answer to Street Fighter 2. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, huge arcade smash in 92. 
I mean, it was it was one of the biggest game in the world. That yeah, time. it was. Right. I remember the crowds that would be around the machines. I mean, you go to the machines, and I yeah. mean, people couldn't believe it—the blood, the fatalities, right. the all the special moves, everything. It the, was just everything about it. It just had a, a cool factor a cool to it. Cool factor it came from Midway too. And it was it Midway. Is, it's just weird. <laughs> the it came blood. out of nowhere. Yeah, and the blood was a huge part of it. Right. So September 1393 was going to be Mortal Monday, or was finally released to the home consoles. However, Nintendo of America uh, and Japan which had had their own self-censorship rules, decided that this violent video game was going to be severely, and as it turned out, detrimentally toned down for our system. Now, to Nintendo, this was a strategic move because Congress was starting to get They were getting very pissy. Nintendo figured, listen, we'll tone it down so they don't get on our asses, right? right. Sega, on the other hand, is like, Fuck that. Fuck we want to sell video games. Right. And Joe like, Lieberman or whoever right, it was. Yeah. So Genesis goes <laughs> along with it. But they add a blood code. So, so that they could that, so that <laughs> they yeah. So that they can get oh, around we, it. It's right? not in the it's game. It's not really in the you game, need to know right? The code. But if everyone always enters the code before they begin the game. Yeah. You need to know the code that we give to GamePro and EGM and put in our own magazine, Sega Visions, you know? It's even in the instruction manual. It's in everything. Yeah. It's Abacab. Yeah. Anyway, here's the deal with the Mortal Kombat's on a technical technical level the music the graphics the gameplay are all inferior on genesis but what it fucking had was all of the arcade little, fatalities little red blood spurts. and the blood yeah and that is why it was always known as better it was on, the one yeah on genesis so let's head into 94 now and in 1994, I do want to make mention, the market in the 16-bit market is dipping uh, 17% in revenue in 94, mm-hmm. but the games are still great here. So I, I would say 94 is the last competitive year. There's some good stuff yeah, in 5. There's some good stuff in 5, and Super's really going, but Sega starts turning their attention. Yeah, elsewhere, which yeah. we'll get to. So in 1994... The third of the big three is finally released on Super Nintendo. We had Mario. Mm -hmm. We had Zelda and Link. We need Super Metroid. Super Metroid, probably one of the greatest games ever made. Period. End of story. Um, End of discussion. End of quotation. Expertly constructed as far as the, the, the stages. I mean... Plus, adding the feature of having a map in the corner of the screen so you knew where the fuck, fuck you, you were. were. You could hit start <laughs> yeah. and look at the right. full map. <laughs> like, the you know, all the powers to get past all the doors, all yeah. the bosses. It could be run fast. It could be run at your own leisure. I mean, people, like, after they beat the game, were playing it to see how fast just they could Just to see be. what they could do. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it was just wild. And, like, Absolutely. It, to this day, it's played competitively for speed. Also, the the ambiance, it's, like, kind of got a scary feel great to it. Great feel to it. I Just great. Great music, too. But Sega was no slouch in right. 94, Quinn, because they released their third Sonic game proper. This mm-hmm. was known as Sonic and Knuckles. Right. Well, there's Sonic 3. This is, There's a story Yes, to this. there's Sonic 3, but Sonic so and Sonic Knuckles. Sonic 3 comes out, but, like, while... Sonic 3 came out to meet a deadline, and the developers really weren't done with it yet. Correct. And so their concept was, we'll essentially release an expansion for the game, right? Which they did. But what was so unique about this, and I think why it was such a hit, is they said you attach your Sonic 3 cart to the Sonic and Knuckles. But not only that... You can attach Sonic 1, one and, two, and 2, and it will like do things to it. You can it. play as Knuckles. You play as Knuckles. Not only is it the greatest Sonic game ever, it also comes with lock-on technology. Plug in Sonic 2 and use Knuckles to play in a whole new way. What a cool side effect yeah. to like 
try they rushed a game but we got something better because they did that <laughs> yes right exactly. and like and it just worked out and sonic and knuckles like i played it a couple years back and i was like this holds up, good, man. This good. is a great Sonic fucking Sonic game. Yeah, it is. So they weren't a slouch. Yeah. Uh, for both consoles in 94, a huge, heavy hitter fondly remembered. For all of them. It was on everything. Every console. Yeah. It had been a Smash Arcade game in 93. Midway Another again. Midway beauty. NBA Jam. Jam, 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 jam. Boom, shakalaka! God, what a game. Everyone was playing this show. This was the sarcastic basketball game. This was the you know? yeah. This is the edgy attitude basketball Satirical. game. Gigantic dunks. You could like yeah. jump into the sky. You play as Bill Clinton. Like you, could. Like, like you do and fucking anything. Like it was like I loved it. It was so cool. Every I just remember every Saturday playing this with my friends. God, like I love into this the game. into the late hours. No, I played right? it on Super mainly. Yeah, a Super also. But I think I played the Genesis. I mean, it's fine, but Supers just looks better. Right. You know what I mean? It just yeah. is. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Another game that came out for both consoles. Another playing all weekend game. Here. Yes. Now I want to mention, in light of what we were talking about with Joe Lieberman and all that, in September of '94, something called the uh, ESRB was formed. So finally, they settle how they're gonna like. So that we don't have these incidents now where Mortal Kombat's like bloody on one and not the other. Right. It's like it's there's just a uniform like this is what standards it has to meet to be released. Independent of Nintendo or Genesis. Right. right. So with that in mind, Nintendo dropped their own self-censorship. And thus, Mortal Kombat 2, the highly anticipated follow-up. It's gonna have blood on both. And it did, and I'll tell you what, the Super Nintendo version kicked the ass of Genesis in this, and this case. And this was because because Nintendo didn't have to hold back and because it was graphically a superior console. It was. It, was the, it just became the definitive version of the game. Well, because right? you can see the fatalities right. better. Yeah. Like, uh, sorry. Just, uh, the characters were like bigger. Yeah, it just like, looked and sounded it looked better. closer to the arcade than, yes. than the Genesis one. Sorry if you like Genesis, but it's true. Yeah. Now, Nintendo teamed up with Rare. This was another fucking late in the game, what the fuck. This, and before we say the title, this is one of the most beautiful looking Super Nintendo games. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Beautiful sounding Super mm-hmm. Nintendo games. And the gameplay is stellar. Mm-hmm. And it's just a side scroller with an old established Nintendo character. Character that have been gone for quite a bit. Good point. But I gotta tell you folks, Donkey Kong Country. Great game. An all-time Super Nintendo game. This ended my 94, the Christmas of 94. Yeah. Um, I've so been late, playing all these other games all year. Late 94 release. And this thing came around and yep. it was just... Oh my, I couldn't, like, I was like, I don't even need to get a new console. Right. Like, this is, this is, it's 3D. It wasn't. I know that it now. Wasn't, but it, it was like, beautiful. they like scanned in images or whatever. Yeah. Simply mind blowing. Best looking video game, period. Spectacular. It was awesome, and the music was good. In the yeah, like you said, it just it did everything right. It hits all. The, it's like Sonic. had all the secrets and like all this fun shit to do. It has the Sonic style where you're collecting bananas instead of mm-hmm. rings, but you're playing it like Mario, so it's very easy to play. Like if you get one hit, you die. You get one hit, you get a tag partner. You have Diddy. You have Diddy, or sometimes Diddy's in the front, and you got Donkey yep. as your tag partner. But you can ride in barrels. Like it's very creative and yeah. all time game. It's all different types of stages. You're right. It's mm-hmm. like some just side scrolls. Some you're in like a, a mine cart yeah, or a mine ba- car or shooting madness. out of a barrel or yeah. you're swimming. Yeah, like, the swimming. You ride uh, like a frog or a dolphin or a yeah, rhino. Yeah, there, there's different animals to ride. Great it just, shit, it man. Just, it had a lot of good shit in it. Great yeah. game. Uh, I want to mention, uh, special mention of the Power Rangers game on they Genesis. fun. Very good. What the fuck? The like, Genesis you ones think. especially. 
You wouldn't think, yeah, but they, both of them, I liked them bo- on both sides. I liked them both. They, yeah, they were great. Now, in 95, I want to mention, there was another dip, a 19% dip in the 16-bit. Yes, and that's and that's because a little the other ramping thing, like up a for future something. thing yes. comes, and people know that it's winding down, but I got to say, Nintendo did keep it going with the games. Oh, they absolutely did. Because they knew that their next one, they had a year or two more to go. Yes. Right? So, plus the, the Super Nintendo was released a year or two later, so I mean, it all yeah. makes sense, Genesis right? Genesis did have a uh, two-year head start so Sega's in the US. T- petering off, but Super Nintendo still got a good year oh, left. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat 3 comes out for both home consoles in 95. To me, it's the same story. It's Although, Mortal Kombat 3 as a whole is not as well regarded as 2. I don't two. like it as much. I don't either. Uh, now... I just I'm mentioning Genesis games for the shit of it. So Saturday Night Slam Master is one of my favorite. Like now this super, is on both, isn't it? It's on both, but the Genesis one came out in '95 specifically, and I just wanted to mention it. However, Super Nintendo's got the edge here, I think, overall because if nothing else, they have Chrono Trigger in '95. Chrono Trigger, another just come on Square Beauty right yes. here. Um, well, this is actually Square and Enix teaming and Enix. up before they were the same company. Yes, so they make this game and. They get the guy that drew Dragon Ball to do the character designs. And yes. When it came out, it was in magazines. They called it the Dream Game. The because, Dream Game. Because it was like it was like, what if we combined all these like RPG and Japanese artists all together into one team and right. we made a game? Yeah. And it was Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger was excellent. Fucking I mean, awesome. Great like story. Great like it's time travel based, mm-hmm. and it did really cool stuff with the characters. Where you know you maybe you leave them in one time period, you come back, and yeah, it, it just just a classic if you've ever played it you know it's great if you haven't there's modern versions to yep. like they, they haven't updated the graphics or anything but you can play it to this day it's great it's just a great game um, what a, one of the best nes uh super nintendo soundtracks of all time oh absolutely of all time absolutely literally yeah so super nintendo uh had the advantage here on the fighting games with killer instinct and i say that because genesis didn't get killer instinct <laughs> well it was nintendo and rare again exactly killer instinct was very anticipated very popular. I don't know that I love it. It's revolutionary for fighting games only in the fact that it's the first fighting game that truly embraced combos. It didn't like... Fair. It wasn't like an add-on. Like, Street Fighter combos were kind of an accident. Yes, they were. Like, you know, yeah, they, they were, were like the system not going fast enough yeah, or some shit. it's right? all it was. But, like, Killer Instinct is like, what if we just made the whole game about combos? Combos, yeah. And... It was popular. A lot of people clung to that because there's fighting games to this day centered around combos like the Marvel vs. Capcom games or something like that so it's like I feel like Killer Instinct was a huge influence in that sense I mean plus there was TJ Combo yeah there's literally a guy named Combo in the name yeah now, this was on both, but Genesis had it also. Uh, Primal Rage. Yes. The one where you turn into animal, or like you are animals and you yell about it. But it had the same kind of, <laughs> the scanned in fake it's 3D thing, looking, like huh? Killer Instinct. Just wanted to mention it. Uh, it's funny, Killer Instinct and those are like the same graphical style, why, Primal yeah, Rage looks like dog shit. It looks like shit. Even on Super Nintendo, it's <laughs> yeah. not very good. Donkey Kong Country 2, the sequel, came out in this, 95. This was going to sell a lot no matter fucking no what. No matter fucking like, yeah, what. Because holy shit. Yes. Like, right? Absolutely. One year after the other one. Of it's course. like, holy crap. Donkey Kong's not even in it. Diddy and You're Dixie. saving him. But that yeah. d- the cool thing about that is I liked Diddy Kong better in the first one. And I was like, ooh. Like this, oh, you this, were? Because he was, was faster. was a Donkey Kong guy. Because he was faster. Well, it's not all about speed. Because, well, I liked go, to go fast in the stages. Fast so process. I'd always tag out Donkey and, and really? go with Diddy. So I was oh, like, I, this was like, nice I was fucking ready yeah. for Donkey Kong Country too. I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> and it was a great yeah. game. Uh, Road Rash 3, Sega was still kicking. There's one, yeah. And they're all good. I love the Road Rash and series. And more improvement on the Road Rash formula. I love them right? all. 
But I think the biggest game of 1995 in the 16-bit market, it, it, Sega had a lot of sports games still. That was like still mm-hmm. one of their big bread and butters. But the biggest one in the 16-bit market had to be Quinn, unless I'm completely missing something. Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. So, yes and no. It was it was definitely anticipated, but there was a lot of people turned off by two things. Was the art style, which I think is gorgeous. I can't even believe a Super Nintendo yeah. game looks like that. They backtracked on the Mario one or Mario World style and went for a hand-drawn kind but of... what people didn't realize at the time is it made the game ageless. It still it's a beautiful looks, looking game. It still looks good. And it's unique. It's unique. It isn't just fun. Mario World with a new skin or something. No, it's it's, it's you totally know now Yoshi's different. the character and yeah. you, you can throw the eggs and do all this shit. But the other thing is people always had a problem with the baby. I mean he is annoying. <laughs> to be fair, it's fucking annoying. But I thought it was in a weird way it was a fun gameplay element because it, it went the sonic route where you don't die when you get hit. You have to Oh, good the point. Baby. It's like losing the rings. Yeah, it's like losing the rings. So it's like okay. it's, it's kind of like it's kind of a twist on it. And I just I thought that 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 game was great. Great game. Awesome one of the game. one of the all time greats on Super Nintendo and a big classic for Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by nineteen ninety five, Sega's in debt for various reasons that we don't need to get into. But Nintendo is not, which does give them an advantage in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And Sega was working in ninety four and ninety five to release its first thirty two bit console and the thirty two X add on in November of ninety four. <sighs> So the Sega City was a previous add-on, yeah. uh, which didn't do anything to really accentuate the Genesis other than well, have Sonic some, CD. Some, yeah, I know, but have some better sound quality. Yeah. But they didn't take advantage of the graphics at all. The biggest thing they did was they were like, we can put videos on the screen. and that Yeah, but they're all horrible. Right. But on No a, one it, wants to play them. The problem is that... Nighthawk, or what's right. the one that comes in where the guy says dog meat a real life? Night Trap? No, not Night Trap. The other one, like Dogfish... Sore shark? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dog shit fish. shark. Yeah, shit shark. Call sign. Dog meat. The whole marketing campaign behind that is well, they can put screenshots of real videos, so then they're like, look at the graphics. It's yeah. re- it's literally real. But it sucked. Yeah, it's garbage. And 32X was another appendage for uh, Sega Genesis that it was basically this fucking thing that you stuck into the Genesis slot, and then you bought a separate game that was only for 32X, and it did act as a pass-through, so you yeah. could play your Genesis through it, but they had these alleged 32, and they were, I guess, 32-bit. Were they 32-bit, Quinn? Do you know the tech end of that? I don't have it on me. It just it was a 32-bit processor, but I think it was hamstrung by the fact that it still needed to the Genesis to right. operate, so it, it's basically like latching on a, a separate... What was in that mushroom was a separate board. Yeah, but it was still was, using. Yeah, but it was passing through. The, it, it's just a fucking nightmare. It, the games weren't that amazing. And then on top of it, they had weird 32X and you need the Sega CD also yes, for real. some fucking reason. Horrible. Like, like, just like... Just stop. No, like this... To me, that's like what by 96... By 95 even. By 95. Like, they, they'd fucked it all up. People like were like, why do I need all this shit? Like, why can't I just play the fucking games? That's the thing, right? So they're like, oh, 32-bit era and they release this piece of shit and none of the games games look that impressive to be yeah. honest they really don't the sound's good but the sound that, is good yeah but meanwhile nintendo is doing donkey kong country and that's just on their native console i know and funnily enough super 
you know, or I'm sorry, Nintendo, they explored the CD concept. With Philips. With Philips. Who were, well, <laughs> and Sony. Not, Sony at first, and then they gave them the screw. They gave Sony the screw in 91 or something. They Behind their back at without CES, even fucking yeah. telling them in person. This is true. They they said, oh, we're, we're going, going with, with Philips, Philips. Like, and didn't even tell Sony. That didn't pan out entirely, although Philips did release on their own the Philips CDI. And we got <sighs> Zelda CD that was ass and Mario. Mario learns to wipe his butt or whatever the <laughs> games are. They're all terrible. All fucking Hotel hard. Mario. So right? all that shit just failed. Awful. Not only that, though, but Sega started to fuck things up in their marketing here because they have the 32X, but Genesis isn't as dominant in 95 as it was in 93. Right. Everything had dipped. So they then decide, well, we're going to launch our 32-bit console, the Sega Saturn, first in Japan. Right. December 94. Now, 32-bit on CD, huge deal. It was originally planned for September 2nd, 1995 in the United States, Saturn Day, September yes. 2nd. But, oh, oops, at CES, uh, May 11th is going to be the release date. <laughs> and nobody has any games made. And, like, the retailers don't know that the fucking system right. exists. And, like, like, Walmart's like, what are you doing? Yeah, excuse us. KB says we're not selling it. How about well, that? Some retailers got so mad <laughs> yeah. that they said we're not carrying KB it. KB is one of them. Yeah. Like, no, we're not doing it. Because you lied. You like, you told idiot. us September, and right. now you're just dropping this merchandise in, in our fucking in store. May. Like, we didn't even make room on the shelves for it, right? right? Experience Sega Saturn's monster torque and parallel processing power. And the price of this was $3.99. Now, at this same show, in a stroke of fucking marketing genius, Sony, who has been developing their own because Nintendo fucked them over, They're right? bitter. And this is, to me, the ultimate irony. It's right. like, Sony got the fucking screw from they Nintendo. Did. They did. This actually, believe it or not... The PlayStation was the PlayStation add-on. The guy who worked there, like he wasn't even supposed to be doing that. He went around his superiors or some shit. Sony wanted it to sort of fail, yes. but then when they got the actual like screw from Nintendo, all of a sudden the executives at Sony was like, "Oh, we're gonna fucking beat them at their fuck right. them, right? right?" And so they're like, "Make the PlayStation a console," and they did. So the 32-bit PlayStation, which you guys know what yeah. that is, right? This was designed to be competition to the Sega Saturn, right? Because it's a new generation. Like, yes, of course, it's going to be better than Super Nintendo. Everyone knows that. Duh. So Saturn... But it's on CD, which that sucks, based, right. based on our experiences with TurboGrafx and But Sega. so it's Saturn, so it's yeah. a level playing field, right. right? The best part is that after Saturn, who again, Sega, who has already released this fucking stupid 32X, right. right, that undersold and was stupid, not to mention the Nomad, the handheld version of the Genesis, which, like, shit yeah. the bed also... And they're doing like, oh, whoops, May, like tomorrow or yeah. whatever it is, right? Everyone's like, like, what? Surprise! Trying to be like, good. The guy from Sony walks, and it was three ninety nine, right? The guy from Sony walks up and he's like, two ninety nine. It's a classic moment. And then he just leaves. Yeah, he just leaves. He doesn't even like say anything else. Now, I know technically they showed some other shit yes, before that. Did. But but the point is, is they undercut them by $100 because of, in their own fucking stupidity, they just like hastily released yeah. it. Two ninety nine. And the fact that we're mentioning this is is to just show you that the 16-bit era was coming to a close and thus was the war. Right. Ultimately, uh, there were some more games released, and I just want to run down a few games from 96 and mm -hmm. 7. So in 96, Nintendo came up with Super Mario RPG, their own venture with Square. Great. I mean, the, great, great RPG, a great game. 
again, it's just Square was like right on the fucking money during this they time, were, man. time period, and 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 everybody wanted to team with them. Other RPG makers, yeah, they knew Dragon they Ball guy, Nintendo, yeah. like everyone's like we want to work with Square, and so even Nintendo's like, what if we tag with them and make a game? Well, a brilliant move on Nintendo's part because it introduces people familiar with the side-scrolling Mario games mm-hmm. to an RPG. That's what it was. Ironically, brilliant. this would be one of the last projects that Square would work on with Nintendo, with Nintendo before to be continued, hopping over somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, Sega was still doing great with sports. They had NBA Hang Time, which was kind of the spiritual successor to yeah. Jam. Good yeah, stuff, yeah, good midway. Stuff. Donkey Kong Country 3. Not my favorite. Me but, neither. But it was more Donkey Kong Country. It sold well. Milk the it, cash cow. Milk the cash cow, right? right. Madden 97, still kicking, man. Yeah. On Genesis. Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 came out for both now consoles. this was actually cool. This was what it was supposed to be before they rushed 3 like out. You could be out. like versions of the yes. characters from the old games like and stuff. Classic it, smoke and stuff like, like that. Like fucking everyone was in this game. Yeah. The 32-bit equivalent was a Mortal Kombat trilogy. Right, yeah. On PlayStation and Saturn. Now I see we have two oddballs here again. Yes. These, these are... These are games that, like, nobody fucking bought, but they were... <laughs> they pushed the fucking limit of their consoles. Right. I want to start with Genesis. Without the aid of 32X, although it was on 32X mm-hmm. also, Sega decided, let's somehow cram Virtual Fighter 2 into the Genesis. So it's not really Virtual it Fighter. It isn't. It's just like a 2D version Correct. of it. Which, on its face, you know, if you don't have a Saturn... Maybe yeah. the, maybe you're like, man, I really want to play Virtual Fighter. Still got the name value, but it's not really Virtual Fighter. Correct. It's just it's got the characters of Virtual Fighter just in a two D a two D pl- fighting fighter. Game. Yeah, but Super Nintendo did one up here in my <laughs> this opinion. Fucking this game is insane. Like <laughs> <laughs> they used every expansion chip and extra thing. Capcom, specifically. Capcom, yeah, yeah, that they had to do this to release a home console sixteen bit version of Street Fighter fucking Alpha two. <laughs> So this is here, right? It's all slow. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is to me the craziest shit about this. Go ahead. Now, visually, it's kind of impressive Beautiful. for yeah. fucking Super Nintendo. It it's looks not bad. It kind of just looks like every other version of Street yeah. Fighter Alpha Two, right? I, yeah. Which is incredible, right? Yes. But what's the cost of that? There's literally loading on Super Nintendo for every round. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, it's Quinn. It's pushing so much shit yeah, into this thing. It's insane. Like it's like overflowing the RAM. So they literally have to like flush it and yes. then load the entire stage over again every That's round. That's what it is, like, right? It's insane. That's what it is. But we just needed to make mention of that. Uh, so it was 1996. Obviously, rolls on Nintendo was working on and then launched their 64-bit system. Right. They bypassed the 32-bit completely. Now, we'll probably have something on this later, but obviously the Nintendo 64 came out. PlayStation had been out. Mm -hmm. And they were competitors despite being different bits. I mean, it's still the same generation. In 1997, two things happened here for both consoles. The final United States Nintendo-developed uh, Super Nintendo game was released, which was Kirby's Dream Land 3. That's November of 97. Now, I want to say that because Frogger came out by Majesco or somebody. I forget who. I remember seeing that. Yeah. In the fall of 98. And, and then, don't forget like, the weird like Japanese shit yes. in like 2000, like Metal Slayer Glory. Glory Director's Cut. Director's Cut. In the spring of 2000. That was, also, that was so wild to me that they were still making Super Nintendo games in 2000. But as far as like, you know, in-house stuff, uh, 97, the end of 97, 98 is kind of the end. Super Nintendo was discontinued in 99 in Sega Genesis world 
The final uh, U.S. game here was NHL 98, released in October of 97. I had that on PlayStation 1. There you go. <laughs> so that See? just shows you kind of... The crossing of the generations. Yeah, yeah. October 97, they made it that long, and it was actually discontinued, I believe, that same year. 1997, right. the Genesis. The war was well over by then, and ultimately, in terms of hard numbers, the Sega Genesis sold 18 million units in North America, wow. 30 million worldwide. Okay. But despite its two-year head start in Japan and North America, the Super Nintendo sold 20 million in North America, wow. 2 million more, and 49 million worldwide, 19 million more worldwide. Wow. The competition was hot and heavy from 91 to like 93, 94. Yeah, up to 94 seems to be when it was like really yes. big. And then Sega f- wanted to go to the 32-bit. Yeah, which, yeah. more power to them. The war was over. They had proved to be a worthy competitor to Nintendo. They sold, an, they sold enough to make a dent, and they made Nintendo Adapt. Not, they made them adapt, but they also made them not complacent. And I think that made the point. games better. Competition, right? It, right. Bre- it breeds success in a lot of ways. It breeds a great fan experience, if nothing else. We're not here to say which is better. We give you hard numbers, technical right. and uh, sales. But they mean what they mean because, in my opinion, Quinn, you could take the technology, you could take what's sold more, but it still comes down to preference versus experience. Like, okay, the Whopper versus the Big Mac, do you care which one sells more? No. Do you care which one has which ingredients? Care which one tastes the best, Joe. Exactly. And you know what? Maybe you are a person that thinks the Genesis tasted better and had better games or Super Nintendo, or maybe you're just allowed to like both of them. Yeah, maybe. I, which I do. I like both, to I be like quite both. honest with you. It's a uh, rare condition with this with this, this, day one, and age. this day and age that I can say I actually like both of these consoles. I really do, too. Yeah. I think there is an age delineation. If you were, I'm spitballing, between 12 and 20 when the Genesis came out, it was marketed to you. Oh, yeah, it was, it was aimed. Right. If you're between 5 and 11, mm-hmm. like we were when Super Nintendo and Genesis were both, both at, you might find Super Nintendo better. Right. Either way, though, I think it just means you're more susceptible to the targeted marketing. Yeah. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. But they were both ultimately pretty well-rounded. I they mean, were. Yeah, I mean, like, Sega Overall. did have kids' games in Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff like it that. It did. Yeah. I would say the Sega strengths were in arcade-style games, beat-em-ups, shoot-em-ups, fighting games, and sports games. Yes. Sports, 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 sports. That was that was a huge one. Super Nintendo excelled in the action-adventure, the platformers, and the RPGs. Yeah, they killed it with the RPGs. They did. And they both did overall well yeah. in everything. Not that Sega didn't have their own, like, fantasy star and stuff, but, I mean, it was Super Nintendo's domain, the they, RPGs. They had Earthbound, Quinn. Yeah. Uh, but one way or another, folks, the 16-bit war was a very, almost the decade. I mean, 91 to 97. Right pretty long where both of these consoles were both out at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was great if you were a kid at the time and you had access to one or the other or both because the games were so good. It was a great time to play video games. It was a great time to play video games. So we want to hear about your great times playing video games. We want to hear about which console you prefer or maybe both or maybe maybe you're one of those TurboGrafx people. Yeah. Let us know. Imagine that's your entire 16-bit <laughs> era system. Well, nothing wrong with bonk. One way or another, why don't you bonk on over to us on Twitter at AWM Podcast. You can also join our group, Acid Washed Memories on Facebook. And hey, be sure to leave us a review. Alyssa's going to remind you also, so make sure you do it. One way or another, we will, of course, be back next week for something completely different. Until that time, my name is Joe Murata. 
That gentleman is Michael Quinn, and we will see you next week. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Oh, 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 o